Hey there everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years of Wonder Years podcast. Well today, I am doing one final summer movie before my big move at the end of this month. And of course, this is a requested movie by podcast listener Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. I am going to be reviewing 1998's remake of The Parent Trap. Starring Lindsay Lohan, Dennis Quaid, the late Natasha Richardson, Elaine Hendricks, Polly Holiday's even in this movie. If you guys watched 1982's Gremlins, she played Mrs. Deagle. Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> so this movie, let's see, was I saw this movie in the theater? So let's see. July 29th, 1988. Uh, At this time, I would have been about a month away from going into my sophomore year of high school. Filming locations, Napa Valley, California. We also have Crestline, California, and London, England. This movie was directed by Nancy Myers, who also directed What Women Want, Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, It's Complicated, and the intern, and what in the world, Walmart, the bug, well, I don't know what that is. But pretty much every one of those movies, except for the intern, I've seen in the theater. My dad and I, um, when we did our, <clears throat> excuse me, when we did our New Year's Day movie ritual, which started in 19- January 1st, 1998 with Titanic, every New Year's Day, <clears throat> we would see a movie. So we we saw What Women Want. Um, Christmas Day, I actually did go see Something's Gotta Give in 2003. Of course, around Christmas time, I saw The Holiday. One of my favorite female actresses of all time is definitely Kate Winslet. She's my favorite actress. And of course, also my other favorite actress person of color, Octavia Spencer. I really, I love her acting. It's just so amazing. Alright, it looks like we got some trivia. For her split-screen scenes, Lindsay Lohan wore an earpiece which would play back the dialogue of the other sister. This is interesting. Lindsay Lohan's first movie. The Lost Boy Who Shows Up at the Girls' Camp is played by Michael Lohan, Lindsay Lohan's real-life brother. Lindsay's siblings regularly appear as extras in her movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. When Lindsay Lohan was 11, she pretended to be ill so she could skip school and go to her first movie audition for The Parent Trap. Interesting. Oh, I did not know this. Actress Joanna Barnes played the wicked girlfriend in The Parent Trap in 1961. And she plays the mother of the wicked girlfriend in this version. Okay, I gotta definitely watch for that this time around. The 1998 version, the wicked girlfriend's name is Meredith rather than Vicky. Joanna Barnes's character as a mother in this new parent trap is still named Vicky. Oh my god! This is amazing! Mara Wilson auditioned for the dual roles but was ultimately passed over because producers felt she wasn't old enough to play the parts. Scarlett Johansson, Alex McKenna, I'm not sure if she is. Michelle Trachtenberg, of course, Harriet the Spy, which I haven't seen that. And Tina Margarina, who I would be more familiar with her 
from the movie Andre in 1994. She was also in Napoleon Dynamite, Waterworld, and other movies. I guess they also tried out for the leads. Okay. When uh, I also learned that Nancy Myers, her daughters, the characters of Hallie and Annie, are played by. Well, they're, they're play. Um, no, the characters are named after her daughter, her, the director's daughters in real life. Okay. When Hallie arrives in London and meets Martin at the airport, at the point where the two begin their greeting, you can see Lindsay Lowen's mother holding her brother, Dakota Lowen. And beside her is Lindsay's other brother, Michael Lowen, and sister, Elena. Is it Elena? Aliana? Uh Lowen, if you watch closely, Ellie can be seen turning around to watch her sister. Then Lindsay's mother turns to look as well. Meredith is heard talking on the cell phone to a Reverend Mosby. Mosby? A reference to a character in the original parent. I honestly would like to think in this universe that the other characters from the parent trap also exist. Like, they both move characters all exist in the same universe. An oddity for a Disney film, this one shows a mother smoking a cigarette and getting deliberately drunk. Um, in the movie based on the picture book, Alex and the Very Good, or, or the Not Good, Horribly, Terribly, No Good, Very Bad, whatever, um, the mother, played by Jennifer Gardner, mentions... Because she ends up walking into the bathroom while her 15-year-old son is in the shower. And then he's complaining about it afterwards. Like, Mom, I was naked in the shower. He's like, honey, don't worry about it, okay? We've all... We know that you have a penis, okay? we I've seen it. You know, I used to, you know, change your diaper. And the fact that they say the word penis in a Disney film. Granted, this came out, like, probably... 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. The Alexander and the No Good, Very Bad, Horrible Day. I'm just like, I was like, this is a, considered a Disney movie, and they're saying the word penis. And of course, you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been listening to it, you know that the Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast, the majority of the shows I do, minus Full House, are expletive or explicit, or whatever you want to call it. Granted, I mean, Parent Trap came in, out in 1998, so. The scene where Annie and Haley are lying in bed, and the camera pans from the moon to the parents' picture to the twins took six hours to get right. Oh my god! Lindsay Lohan had to change from Annie to Haley and back all the time. That sounds so nerve-wracking. Now this I gotta definitely listen for. Lindsay Lohan can be heard singing Let's Get Together as she walks into the elevator at the Sta- uh, Stafford Hotel. This song is from the 1960. One original. Similarly, the first few notes of Let's Get Together are played as the closing notes of the music of the tale and of the end credits. Oh my god! <laughs> when we, Jeremy and I went to Dallas last year, or to Texas last year to check things out, and I was just thinking in the hotel room, I think it was the final night, There, I was flipping through the channels on the television, and the parent trap was on, you know, the 1961 version, and this song, Let's Get Together, yeah, 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 and I just, that song is stuck in my head. You want to know the movie they played after this one? The Book Thief. I'm like, you play a heavy, fun movie, and you play a very, I've seen The Book Thief, I've read the book, it's good. 
And I'm just thinking, you go from a family-friendly movie to a depressingly sad movie after. It's like, well, we entertained you, and now we're just going to depress you with this next film. <laughs> but this song, let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it was stuck in my head. Apparently, Jenna Mar- Malone, who you would know from 1998's um, Stepmom movie with Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts, she turned down Lindsay Lohan's role three times. They approached her three times. They must have really wanted her. That would be interesting to see her in the role of Hallie and Annie. So yeah, let's hear about who was up for the role of... Nick, that originally it, it went to Dennis Quaid. So we have David Hasselhoff, Richard Gere, Jeff Bridges, Kurt Russell, Patrick Swayze, and Pierce Bronston. Hmm, I don't know if I could see David Hasselhoff playing this character. Richard Gere, because mm, I'm just thinking of the comedies that Richard Gere has done, and I, the ones that come to mind are... Um, Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride. I'm sure he's done others. Um, Patrick Swayze. I don't know. Even in 98, I couldn't really... Because he did play a father in... I thought it was a movie called Fatherhood, where he was just got out of... His character got out of jail. Brian Bonsall, who played Andrew Keaton on Family Ties and in Blink... Blink check was his kid and something, I don't know. Pierce Bronston, uh, I don't know. Because he does have an accent, just like uh, Natasha Richardson does, so, I don't know. And Jeff Bridges, I mean, I haven't really seen him in a lot of, I know he's been in comedies and stuff. I saw him play a parent in, what was that movie? Um, it came out like 91. It had, uh, back when I was watching Edward Furlong's movies. And he was playing like a distant father to Edward Furlong. Apparently Bill Murray and Harrison Ford will, were also considered for the role of Nick Parker. So, okay, so Hallie Parker and then Annie James, I believe are their names. There's some more that were considered for Nick. Jeff Daniels, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, and Robin Williams. Um, God. No, definitely 100% no to Tim Allen, just because he's been in a lot of Disney movies, and also Home Improvement. I really just see him as Tim Taylor. And I've also seen him as Mike Baxter on Last Man Standing. Robin Williams. Um... I don't know. I mean, honestly, if I had to choose out of these one, two, three, four guys, I might go with Tom Hanks. I, but it's just between because Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire does play serious and funny. I mean, Tom Hanks does too, but I don't know. Some trivia in the movie: Dennis Quaid is engaged to a twenty-six-year-old gold digger. In real life, his fourth wife is twenty-six years old. How, but I get it, how old is some of this trivia? The tagline for this movie is called, is, twice the fun, double the trouble. Yeah, that's kind of cute, I like that. 
crazy credits. During the end credits, pictures from Nick and Liz's wedding are shown. It looks like opening weekend made $11 million, grossed $66 million, and then worldwide $92 million. So, all right, I don't know about you guys, but I am ready to get into this movie. I am going to be watching it on Disney Plus because I don't own a copy of this movie. So, yeah. First, lastly, before I officially get into the movie, I'd like to let you know where you can find the podcast. You can find it under <laughs> uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes under Looking Back on the Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Now that I've, of course, finished with the show The Wonder Years, I finished in 2018. Now the podcast has kind of been looking back on my own Wonder Years as far as my favorite TV shows. You know, some that I'm covering, Wonder Year, Wonder Years, uh, Small Wonder, episodes of Mr. Belvedere, Growing Pains, Full House, 2021, I'm going to be covering select episodes of Roseanne in the Life in Lanford, an unofficial Roseanne podcast for 2021. And on occasion, I will throw in another Growing Pains episode and stuff like that. So, all right, without further ado... Let's jump into the parent trap. One last thing. If you're listening to my podcast for the first time and this is the first movie review you've listened to, how I'd like to do things is I go through the entire movie. I'm basically watching the movie and going through it. So these reviews tend to be at least two and a half to three hours long. The movie itself is actually over two hours long. There are some montages in it, and I'm not going to spade all the way through them, but I'm going to sum them up the best I can. And... I want to try at least to get this in at three hours, so. It has been quite a while since I've watched this movie. I honestly can't remember. I know I watched it on DVD or VHS. Maybe I rented it from one of the video stores I worked at after 1998. So, if you're looking for a, a long movie review to listen to and you, you know, go... Walk your dog, get groceries, clean your house, put a puzzle together. You know, you can even watch the movie. If you have Disney Plus, watch the movie. If you own the DVD, pop it in. Make some popcorn or whatever movie snack you like to make. Get a soda, tea, water, whatever your favorite beverage is, and just hang out. You know, because I honestly love covering movies on this podcast. It's so fun especially when i haven't watched the movie in quite a long time so all right here we go i gotta ask you guys i mean do you guys like with the subtitles on because i i that is a pure must for me i have to have the subtitles on when i watch a movie so the movie starts we're on the open sea we have l-o-v-e love by nat king cole playing we are on the open sea, we see a cruise ship, we see fireworks, we see the parent trap title card come up, we see a pastor with an open Bible, he is marrying a couple, so we're basically going, guys I say basically too much, we are going back in time to where Annie and Hallie's parents, pre-Annie and Haley, or Hallie, excuse me, not Haley, um, before the children were created to back when Nick and Liz met and fell in love and got married on a cruise ship. I don't even think we necessarily see them. Like, we see the 
back of them for a split second and then we see the signing of the marriage license which i remember doing that because i got married in uh the backyard of my childhood home and i'm the kitchen table just signing the document it was just like so surreal even when i was walking down the steps of uh the back porch going down that little hill and everything it's almost like i was looking from down like from above down at myself like it was that surreal of an experience like i couldn't fully wrap my head around it until we were like leaving to go on our honeymoon like oh wow it was just such a whirlwind of so much activity and everything going on like i couldn't stop and fully just enjoy and immerse myself in the moments but i have it on dvd so i can i actually just watched my wedding video for the first time in quite a while and it's just really it's it's sad and bittersweet because you know my dad is no longer living and just seeing the first dance with my dad and i to i loved her first by heartland that is a beautiful father daughter song to dance to let me tell you so upon closer inspection of this marriage license we see they get married january 8th 1986 and they are both this marriage license has a lot of detail to it elizabeth james is 23 and nick parker is 24 it even says their professions where elizabeth is an artist and nick is a it's hard to make it says viticulturist or something because we know that he lives on a vineyard i guess the witnesses captain sean haworth or something and Queen Elizabeth too. Are you telling me the Queen of uh, Queen Elizabeth was there to be a witness to this wedding? Oh wait, I'm sorry. My goodness, <laughs> no. The captain is the one professing, um, doing the cere- performing the ceremony, and the ship is called Queen Elizabeth too. What in the world? Wow, I really needed to really read that. <laughs> No, the Queen Queen Elizabeth is, is, is not going to be there as a witness to your wedding. <laughs> oh my god. And the thing is with the movie, when I watched it, the scene is like it's it's there, the marriage license, and then it's gone. But now upon closer inspection, you pick up so many more details. If you watch it and pause it and you'll just get all this information. This is a fancy ass wedding. Holy Jesus. Um, we got a lot of people, uh, white coated, uh, I don't even know what the heck you would call, uh, servants with white gloves. They're all like lighting candles and blowing them out, the matchstick out at the same time. Looking at him slip the ring on her finger, and I'm just kind of thinking about how I. My fingernails are normally nubs. Like, they presently, my fingernails are nubs. And they have been. The only time I even grew them out a little bit, and let me tell you, it was an agonizing experience to grow them out even a little bit. But I did it because I knew that Jeremy and my, our hands together with our rings on was going to be photographed. I'm like, well, I don't want to have nubs. I guess I can grow them out a smidge. And then as soon as the wedding's over, I'm like, cut them, cut them now! <laughs> I need my fingernail nubs back. I think the reason you never see their faces is due to the fact that the big reveal when the pi- the girls put the picture there, 
the picture of their dad that's not in their life or the picture of the mom that's not in the life that it's like, oh, okay, now we know what they look like. We also get introducing Lindsay Lohan. Because this was her first feature film. Oh, they also, they are on the deck, look at the fireworks, and then we're going to their wedding reception. This song, that's the entire song, the love song or the L-O-V-E song by Nat King Cole plays through its entirety. A photographer comes by and says, oh, can you two turn towards each other? And of course, that makes sense. They're going to be looking at each other. That way, when the photograph happens, it's going to be torn down the middle. That just makes sense. Oh, I'm sorry. We actually do get to see the sides of their faces. Okay, so now we know what they look like. Oh my gosh, does this Queen Elizabeth II boat have something in common with Titanic? Southampton. 11 years and 9 months later. Because we all know it takes 9 months to create and deliver a baby. Or in their case, two babies. Now we are at Camp... Walden Moose Lake in Maine. Do you know with this camp scene and the the twins in this movie, I'm getting some major It Takes Two vibes. Oh my gosh. The premise is just almost identical. Almost identical to that. And I'm not going to lie. Honestly, if I had to choose between this movie and It Takes Two, I would definitely choose It Takes Two just because that movie was more... I've seen it more multiple times over the course of my childhood. Because when that movie came out, I was 12 going on 13. And I watched it because my aunt had it at her house. And they lived close by. So I was like, when I was over, like, hey, let's watch it's ta- It Takes Two. Okay. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. 1998. They're in the camp. Kids are getting off buses. These two girls that look like they're like 15 are like, Oh my gosh, my phone doesn't work. How am I going to live? Your damn flip phone that has no internet access. If it does, it's barely anything. You can't text. This is 1998. My phone, it has no service. The phone, you can see it for just a second. It almost looks like a cordless phone. Like you'd have in your house as a landline. Like, oh my gosh, my phone just does not work out here. How am I going to live? I'm like, what the hell are you doing on that damn phone? You're not texting somebody. If you are, it's probably the kind where you got to hit the same number multiple times just to get the letter you want. You're not going, you're not watching YouTube videos. You're not doing that TikTok stuff. You're not posting on Instagram or Snapchat. So what the fuck you worried about? It's probably just as well. Heaven forbid you have an actual real emergency and you need, well, they're at a camp. So clearly if they have an emergency, they should be able to get somebody out there. Not to mention, didn't they have like roaming charges and stuff in the late uh, late 80s? Yeah, the late 90s, early 2000s. Like you had to be within range of a cell phone tower or it would say roaming, roaming, can't connect the call. Try again later. There is a mess of kids. We got Holly Holiday playing someone named Marva. Oh my goodness. But just kids loaded down with these giant duffels that are probably like destroying their back. And someone bringing a boom box and stuffed animals and, you know, uh, athletic equipment like tennis rackets and who knows what else. Gaggle of kids all over. You can't like go like a 
like an inch without stepping into a kid. It's like some of these kids might even know each other because, or been to that camp before because some were like, hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah, how was your year? Oh, my year was great. I'm so happy school's out. Oh, my God. Marva's daughter. It's a mother-daughter camp thing there. Her name is Marva Jr. Oh, just call her MJ, please. I'm not calling anybody Marva. Sounds like Larva. Okay, are you sure that's not your granddaughter? Because that lady looks like your granddaughter and not your daughter. But then again, maybe Marva had her when she was like 50. So they're all like, in. it seems like Native American name, like Navajo and other names. And we meet Hallie, who's got sunglasses on, jean jacket. Like, great, I found my duffel, and immediately two giant duffels, like, bury her duffel underneath. Like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. So Hallie is met by this adorable, bespectacled girl who makes me think of Velma from Scooby-Doo. It's like, oh, you must be new here because you didn't grab your duffel before, like, the apes buried it underneath all the other duffels. We got tie-dye girl who just... Reaches in, grabs her own duffel, and just walks off with it. Of course, like, oh, that's my kind of girl. Hey, duffel girl. Tie-dye girl. Help us out, will ya? Like, yeah, mine's like the yellow one that's like barely, buried like six feet deep. So, <laughs> right away, tie-dye girl's got questions of the wazoo. Like, oh my gosh, do you live in California? Have you ever been to Hollywood? Do you live next to a movie star? And it's like, what are you? Lucy and Ethel? I've never even met a movie star. Never even been to Hollywood. It's so funny. It's like you, back then you're like, oh my gosh, you live in California. Have you met a movie? It's probably like one of the big things kids will ask. Like that's as close to Hollywood as a person's going to get is if they know some random person from California. California is a pretty big state. It's pretty spread out, too, as far as Los Angeles, San, uh, San Francisco, Hollywood, all that stuff. It's like people are like, no one's ever come up to me and said, hey, you're from the Mitten State. You ever been to hell, Michigan? And I'd be like, uh, no. Gosh, I'm relieving. Maybe we should have done that. How far away is hell, Michigan from here? Uh, like a few hours. Really? What is even there? Just the name, right? Much. It's like one of those blink and you miss it type towns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I was working KFC that day and someone's total came up to 666. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she's like, I live in Napa, which is in Northern California. It's nowhere near Hollywood. I live near a vineyard. And of course, Velma and Tie-Dye Girl are like, what's a vineyard? Does that have anything to do with grapes? Tie-Dye Girl actually has a nerd ass. A what yard? Like, it's a vineyard. Have you ever heard of Martha's Vineyard? I've never been, of course, but I've heard of it. I have too. I have. I've heard of Martha's Vineyard. I don't know what states are in. New York. No. Maine. No. Massachusetts. Finally. That was an M. 
So her 11-year-old response is, it's where you grow grapes to make wine, which she knows nothing about because she's 11. Basically a 21 and over place. What? You don't drink wine. No. Neither do I. No. I never drink wine. What are you talking about? What do you make? What is that? Oh, I want to have part of that. No, you cannot have any part of it. Right. It has a crease on it, too. Well, that way you can break it apart easily. Yeah, that's fine. Don't step on her. No, you have this piece. Why does it matter? They're the same thing. Because it's odd. You have the first piece. I have the second. Ooh, I bet you it makes it taste a little bitter. <laughs> I don't want it. It tastes tart. It's all right. Ugh. What? Poop of Gardettos? What did you say? Yeah. Whatever. I'll just beatbox in the background. No, you won't. <laughs> so, Marva Jr., MJ, is calling out the room assignments, and of course, Haley and Velma get the same room assignment, which is awesome for them, because they're all thick as thieves, the, the trio of three. As they're walking away, Hallie's like, hey, do you, either of you know how to play poker? And like, no, 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 we never played it. Oh, yeah, how much money do you bring with you? Uh, why are you asking this question? So, of course, we see a limousine pulling into the camp. You know that Annie has got to be riding in style because she's from England. Definitely Hallie and Velma and Tie-Dye Girl all notice anybody who's anybody is going to notice a limo rolling up into this camp but before they can check it out of course uh old marva J. she's gotta like arapaho get in your cabin now stat so we see and the camera takes its time going starting at the bottom of this girl's shoes all the way up to the top because of the big reveal. Like, hey, she looks just like Hallie. She's dressed in a beige striped plaid outfit with a matching headband. Why would she come all the way across the pond to go to this one main summer camp? I will never understand. Then again, if you think about it, we don't really have much of a story if they don't meet up eventually. Gosh, I can't believe in 11 years they haven't crossed paths. But then again, if you're over there across the pond, you gotta have a reason to come over to the States. I mean, come on. This is gonna be set during the summer before college where Hallie just happens to go backpacking and they just magically meet up somewhere on a, on a trail. Like if she likes hiking or something. So she's got her personal uh, chauffeur with her. Annie does. And it's like, I don't understand why we had to come all the way across the pond to Maine to go to this Camp Walden. And she's like, oh, it's very picturesque. And he's like, alright, let's go through the list that your mother made up for you. Vitamins. Because he says, Vitamins. Minerals. List of daily fruits and vegetables. And she's like, check, 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 and check. He continues on through the list. Let's see. Sunblock. Lip balm. 
Stamps and envelopes. Insect repellent. What in the world? This is what you do before you leave and come to the... You don't like, oh, let me check and make sure you have everything. You're there. It's too late. You're going to have to run to the nearest, like, Walgreens and pick up this extra travel sized stuff. That's why I do checklists upon checklists and go through them and make sure I go through them again to make sure we don't forget anything. You know, for our, our trip coming up next week, we're printing, you know, itinerary for hotel directions from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to wherever else we need to go and everything, and just making sure I just went down a list, and I'm like, okay, let's start crossing stuff off. Let's, I'm just, I'm about lists, I'm about checklists, I'm about double checking and triple checking. And of course, he has, like, photographs of your mother, grandfather, and the butler. Of course, that's me. How wild is this? He's like, oh, a gift from your grandfather. A smacking new deck of cards. Hopefully, you'll find someone here who likes to play. How wild is this? They haven't even met, and already we have... They have something in common. And they don't even know it yet, because they haven't even met! So this is Martin, the butler. Probably Annie's best best friend. And apparently Annie and Hallie are both wizards at poker playing. Wow. What? I know, isn't that a coincidence? The fact that she came all the way across the pond to go to a camp in Maine. Yeah, no one would do that. Nobody would do that. Not a, no 11-year-old would do that. Not even Quinn. Not even Quinn. Right, Quinny? Eh. You're like, no. Is that chillaxin'? She is chillaxin'. <laughs> Why do I get the fact that Martin is, like, one of those guys, like, he is really wrapped up in his job. He really cares for the squirrels. Probably helped raise her since she was a baby. And they have such an intense bond. Just the idea of leaving her there. It just, uh, I was like, what do I have to go back to? You're my responsibility. Every waking moment, I'm always thinking about you and worried about you. How am I going to make up the time until you're back home again? So he must be staying somewhere nearby. The fact that he's like, I'm only a phone call away. Well, actually, he'll be back across the pond. But uh, like, if you want me to come and collect you at the end of summer camp... Oh, man, fifth grade camp was, like, only a week long, and I swear I cried and I called home wanting to go home on the first night. And every morning, in hopes that I would be able to get to go home, I always, like, rolled up my sleeping bag, and everyone's like, why are you rolling up your sleeping bag? Yeah. My grandma's just like, no, it's only for, like, the week. You'll be fine. Just give it a chance. I just remember crying at that dinner, and I guess my neighbor, who was one of the camp counselors, is like, it's gonna be okay. Just make an effort. So she calls him Marty. It's like, alright, eight weeks! Oh my, that is so long. I mean, maybe kids like to be away from their family for eight weeks at a camp. I couldn't do it, even as a kid. No, I couldn't even barely stand to be at camp for a week when I was 11. So they do this wild handshake with the hand slapping, and uh, it's really, really cool. It's going to be done multiple times, because eventually Annie's going to have to teach it to Haley when they switch places. And they finish it off with a handshake. He kisses her on the forehead and says, have fun, old bean. 
Oh, he is going back. Okay, because he tells the chauffeur to take him to the airport. So now we get a little uh, music playing. We see the camp has been around for ages. There's black and white photos of other people. I swear I thought we were going to get um, Sharon and Susan from the original Parent Trip, like pictures of them if this was like the same camp. Someone brought their dog to camp or is this the camp's dog? I don't know. Oh, this is the mess hall. Okay. So in the mess hall, I noticed a magazine. It's the Bop magazine. Around this time in 1998, I had my wall plaster with pictures of Devin Sawa and Leonardo DiCaprio because Titanic had come out at this point. Man of the Iron Mask had come out at this point. I was in Leo mania heaven. The magazine that this particular person in the mess hall is holding i recognize the font of the bop magazine but it's clearly unknowns on the cover they're not even movie stars so but i swear that hallie has a picture of um leonardo dicaprio from a magazine on her when she and uh and he gets sent to the isolation cabin. A lot of activity going on in this mess hall. We got a kid who's on a cordless phone, probably from the office and calling his mom. We got kids running around. We got kids waiting in line to get their lunch. Kids sitting at the table playing the, the hand clap slap game. It looks like not only has Hallie found her crew with Velma and Tie-Dye Girl, but Annie has also found her own crew. So the girls are all, the kids are all wearing Camp Walden shirts. Annie is more like button up collared Walden, Camp Walden shirt where Hallie is more like the t-shirt. The collared t-shirt Camp Walden. So that's kind of interesting. So the girls are right next to each other except for this large clear bowl of strawberries that's in the middle separating them marva of course comes up like oh excuse me i just want to get these strawberries you want some strawberries these strawberries look gorgeous and hallie's like i, I can't i'm allergic sorry and then she leaves and then it's like oh dear do you want some strawberries like oh i can't i'm allergic so both girls are allergic to strawberries that's interesting and being their twins they also like to play poker all right, Hallie is whipping ass at fencing. Annie comes up from playing tennis with her crew, and it's like, hey, any takers? We got a challenger here. The champion, Hallie Parker from Napa, California. Anyone want to take her on? And of course, Annie's like, oh, I'll try. And she puts on the, of course, the fencing mask and everything. You can't see the person's face, so... So Annie definitely gives as good as she gets here with the fencing. They're both really, really good. So of course the girls put on such a display of fencing expertise. And one lands in the horse trough filled with water. And then I guess Annie pulls is pulled in by Hallie because she offers to help her up. Like, here, let me help you. Pulls her in. They're both yelling at each other. MJ, Marva Jr. is like, wow, that was quite a show. You should both uh, congratulate each other. 
they both take off the mask, and I think the girls all are like, wow, these two girls look identical. Like, it's not even funny. And the girls turn, and they're both surprised by, hey, Quinny, how you doing? You doing okay? You like the parent trap? Yeah? You silly girl. So... They both, of course, have a look of surprise on their faces. Like they weren't expecting. It's almost like looking in a mirror. Hallie's got shorter hair. Annie's got hair down to her back. And you just see the other campers like, Oh my gosh, look at them. They look alike. And the girls, like, shake hands. They realize like, their hands, like, fit. They're almost, they're, like, identical hands touching. And it's just... But, of course, Annie and Hallie do their best to keep up their shocked composure. And they do a close-up shot of the girls' hands. And the way they pull away, their hands, like, break apart. It's, like, in slow-mo. It's, like, some weird connection. So, Hallie's like, why is everyone staring at us? And Annie's like, don't you see it? And Hallie's like, see what? Then we look alike. And Hallie, of course, is, like, kind of being a butt about it. Like, hmm, you know, turn sideways. All right, turn back again. You know, I, I really don't see it. I mean, your eyes are clearly set too close together. And she starts picking Annie apart. Like, oh, we couldn't possibly look identical. I mean, pfft. She goes from your eyes are set too close together, your ears, oh, well, don't worry, you'll grow into them. And your nose, <laughs> don't worry, I'm sure there are doctors out there that can fix that. She even mentioned about, oh, your teeth are a little crooked, and oh, your nose, well, those things can be fixed. You just see Annie getting more and more pissed off, like, <sighs> it's like she's taking this to heart. Like, come on, Haley, you don't need to be a bitch. I'm sorry, I know they're 11, but still. It's like she's doing it because she's, I'm sure she's a little apprehensive about this whole, like, she sees, like, yes, they do look identical, but because her friends are there, she doesn't want to show that, so she decides, well, I'm just going to make fun of this girl. <laughs> so, of course, Annie's friend is ready to go toe-to-toe with Haley to shut her mouth, like, you want me to deck her for you? And, of course... Hallie's like, oh, you want to know the real difference between us? And I love Annie's response, like, that I can fence and you can't. And she also says, or I have class and you don't. And Hallie is ready to beat the snot out of uh, Annie. So, of course, Marva Jag jumps in there and says, oh, Hallie, Annie, I mean, Annie, Hallie, oh boy. Like, you both look alike. I don't know who I'm talking to. And, of course, we all know about Annie's love of poker. She pretty much cleans out her cabin mates of money. Like, we have no money left. Like, any more takers? All of a sudden, bad to the bone starts playing as we hear, well, I'll take a whack at it. In comes Hallie with a polyester members on, or polyester jacket with black sunglasses. She's got, like, a sock full of cash on her. She's got, like, a shit ton of quarters there in that sock. That's like laundry money. And of course we see like the cards being like spread out and flipped over. Just all these cool card tricks. Hallie sits down, takes her sunglasses off, puts them on the top of her head and says, deal me in. (laughs) And you definitely see like 
this cloth bag that Hallie was holding, just dumps it out on the table full of quarters. I'm like, someone doing their laundry? <laughs> but yeah, not only quarters, but then we see the pile get bigger as in people are throwing in cash, you know, doll paper money. Annie's got the currency that you use, you know, overseas in England. And other little things like a hair clip, a scrunchie, uh, nail polish is being thrown in. Which apparently these girls think is as good as cash. Which maybe in the summer camp they are. So Hallie decides to add a little something to this wager. Not just, uh, you know, whoever wins. But basically the loser has to jump into the lake. And it's like, okay, sure, I can do that. And Hallie's like, naked. It's like... Oh boy. But naked. And Annie's like, even more excellent. So Annie's pretty confident that she's won this game. She's like, starting sipping Parker a straight. As she lays her cards on the table. It's a straight in diamonds. So Hallie's like, you're good, James. Not good enough. As she turns her cards around and says, In your honor, a royal flush. <laughs> oh boy! So it's not enough that the girls are going to watch as Annie jumps butt naked off the dock into the lake. No, they're going to steal her clothes. Because, of course, apparently that's a thing. You... Someone loses a bet, therefore they have to jump into the lake naked at night. And of course, while they're in the lake naked, you take their clothes so they can walk back to their cabin naked. So Annie, of course, gets out of the water, sees her clothes are gone, the girls are gone. And she's like, oh, if that's how you want it, game on. Let the games begin. And of course, we see Velma, tie-dye girl, and... Hallie coming back from playing like basketball because they're wearing like basketball jerseys which look like the uniforms have been provided by the camp they like got the jerseys that are like at Everest green with the uh, white stripes on the sides and matching Everest green shorts so Hallie is like oh my gosh I couldn't sleep I'm going to my cabin to sleep until lunch and tie-dye girls like hey I heard your uh other half, or your clone, like, snoring all the way to our cabin, because they're in separate cabins. cabins. And Tie-Dye Girl's like, oh, I don't think that's going to be possible, you taking a nap. And Hallie's like, why? It's like, look, their beds are on the dang roof. Are you serious? How in the holy hell did they manage that? I mean, I'm sure, you know, Marv J and Head Marva are... I don't know what they're doing, but clearly this all went unseen. It probably most likely happened in the dead of the night when everyone is, well, supposed to be sleeping. There's even a British flag hanging above the doorway to Hallie in her crew's cabin. Yep, like, okay, game on, girlies. <laughs> yeah, this is war. We're, we're, we're having this out. So, Hallie and her crew decide to get revenge or payback on Annie and her friends. And they are using chocolate sauce. They're using I'm, either shaving cream or whipped cream. I notice it goes around Annie's head. However, when she wakes up in the morning, she's sleeping on her side. 
And you don't see the cream, like, at all. It's not on her face. It's not in her hair. It's nowhere to be found. They even drip, like, honey on uh, tie-dye girl's pajamas. Of course, it's the next morning. You get the bugle call for wake-up time. I love how we see in Annie's cabin, we see um, a double-decker bus figurine thing, which is kind of cool. Okay, I distinctly remember them putting shaving cream or whatever around Annie's head. But the girl next to her, because I don't know her friends, has whipped cream, shaving cream, whatever, like basically a helmet of just shaving cream on her head. And Annie's the first to wake up, and there's just yarn all oh, string, yarn all over their cabin. Which, of course, the string is attached to basically a Rue Goldberg-type machine that Hallie and her friends have uh, rigged up, you know, with honey and chocolate sauce and everything. And, of course, when the camp counselors, you know, Ma uh, Mav and Mav Jr. come in, and they're just hit with chocolate sauce and this and that, and yeah, turns out they've had enough of the look-alike girls and their antics. And like, you know, you two, you're you're out of here. You're gonna go to the isolation cabin because no one else has a problem with you except the two of you have a problem with each other. So we hear the squishiness of I'm guessing molasses when Annie gets out of her bed. I don't know what that. Ugh, it's nasty. So Annie screaming, of course, alerts the girl who's got shaving cream all in her hair, and it looks like a shaving cream wig. This one blonde hair girl. I don't know what the hell they did, but it's like green. What is it like slime or that like hair color you put you know the on the uh, like Halloween that you spray in? It's like some green stuff, but then it's like her hair is like all like spiky. There's this one girl that with sandy blonde hair that's like really short. And at first, I I thought it was you know a boy, but then I'm like, did they cut this girl's hair? I mean, I don't know. We see more of Hallie's friends than we see of Annie's friends, so maybe her hair was already short. The girl, this girl is also wearing a zip-up hoodie to, to bed, too, and I'm like, okay, who does that? <laughs> maybe it just got cold during the night. Are these water balloons, or what are this slamming down and hitting these girls? And of course, Hallie and her two friends are watching through the window as all of this is happening. Yeah, that's a great way to get caught. At this point, it's like daylight. It's morning. And their faces are fully visible. Granted, the girls don't see them because they're too busy dealing with all these little surprises and disasters. Oh, this is how Hallie and her friends get caught because Mav and Mav Jr. walk around the corner as the girls are like, looking through the window. And Annie's like, oh, she didn't get me. And, of course, there's this ginormous balloon that's wiggling with water. And, of course, this is the biggest trope where someone can tell something is about to hit them and they don't get out of the way because either they're frozen in fright at, or I, I don't know. But it's like, if you see something that's about to hit you, like, from above, get out of the way. And, of course, Annie's, Annie's like, that girl is the most horrible creature to ever walk the planet. And you just see Hallie saying, thank you, thank you very much. It's Elvis. Like, oh, my God. 
Oh, Marva comes with the bullhorn, like, morning, girls. And they're all like, morning, Marvas. <laughs> and, of course, they're going to go in there. It's like, no, 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 don't go in there. Oh, and, of course, they get hit. So, Hallie's trying to keep them from coming into Annie's cabin, saying, like, oh, the girls are sick. They're throwing up. It's really nasty in there. And Annie's like, oh, we're fine. Unless Hallie knows something we don't. Why don't you come in and see for yourself? And Marv's like... Move aside, Hallie. Opens the door. And, of course, that big bucket of chocolate sauce just drops on her and Mav Jr. And they slide across the floor into the cabin. And they grab some type of doll on a string, which turns on the fan blade. And they have, like, feathers or something. And then all of a sudden we hear, like, like some Christmas, instrumental Christmas. Like, oh, it's snowing. So, they send the other girls, like, okay, you can go back to your activities. You two are going to the isolation cabin, Hallie and Annie. Like, ugh. I really kind of wonder if this is something that even would be allowed today. You can't single out a child like that and say, well, you're going to be excluded from everything. And I don't know. I mean, it depends on what do parents sign away the children's rights when they sign on the dotted line to go to the camp. Like, she's like, yeah, you can punish my kid however you need to. Like, eh, I don't know about that. Plus, they're paying money. If anything, this would warrant a phone call home or being sent home. But you're not going to isolate these kids from other people. That is, that is horrible treatment. That is, I don't know, I would call it emotionally damaging, but actually makes me think of Adam's family values when Wednesday and Pugsley get sent to the isolation cabin and so does and of course Joel Glicker who ends up having a crush on Wednesday gets sent to the isolation cabin. He's like I just wanted to work on my orchard. I just wanted to read my book. Like not on my watch. Four eyes. Like oh my gosh. Let's see if I can find a clip of that. I mean, this camp is like nothing compared to the camp that Wednesday, Wednesday and Pugsley went to in Anna's Family Values. That was just horrid as hell. So now Hallie and Annie have to share a cabin together. Hallie's trying to sleep. She's got her little stuffed rabbit that she's probably had since she was a baby. Annie, of course, is writing in her diary. And of course... I don't know about you, I, I'm not a fan of sleeping with the lights on. Not that I would, but it's like, I'm always like, Jeremy, can you turn the light off? But Hallie turns the light off and Annie is like, I'm trying to write my diary, what are you doing? Because they're both near a light switch, so they play a little lights on, lights off. You just see from outside the cabin, lights on, lights off, lights on, lights off, and it's just like, oh my god, they're lucky they don't blow a fuse in that cabin. <laughs> then they would be completely without power. Which sucks, because in the next scene, it looks like it's a rainy, crappy, garbagey day. Like, bleh, stay inside. And even, do you ever remember as a kid, I mean, because I had this in school, whereas if it's rainy outside, you're not going outside to play on the playground. You're going to stay inside, probably do board games, just have a free period. Oh, you got to be kidding me. The inside of the cabin, there's a bucket filling with water. They put them in a leaky cabin? Seriously? I'd be PO'd. I'd be pissed. We see Hallie hanging up pictures. A lot of different pictures. You know, 
girls in sports and stuff like that. There's a picture of Andrew Keegan up there. You know, word signs like headstrong. There's a picture of a horse. She must be in a horse riding. It's just all around average girl. Likes the sports, likes the horses, likes the power words like headstrong. Likes some, likes Andrew Keegan. I can't tell. There's a picture of, it looks like it could be a mini poster of some form of a band. I thought it was like the Us Club 7, but it looks like a guy and two girls. It's really, it's kind of out of focus. It almost looks like maybe it's an after sketch or shoot. I can't tell. But anyway. Annie is actually playing solitaire on her bed, you know, because you can play solitaire by yourself. It's one of the card games you can play by yourself. Is that one Oak Ridge Boys song? Or Statler Brothers song, right? Like playing solitaire with a deck of 51. Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo. So, of course, while Haley's hanging up pictures on her corkboard, they got one window open, which is ridiculous because it's raining out and windy as heck. And that wind just... <laughs> so, Haley's trying to get the window closed. It's stuck because it's, you know, an old building. Annie jumps in, sees she's struggling. Hey, let me help you with that. And they kind of... It's almost like... They stop all this fighting and there's just this moment of solitude of just a calm moment where they're not at each other's throats. Like they they work together to shut this window. Maybe you're not so bad after all. We worked as a team. Good grief. The the wind was so strong through that screen that it just blew half the pictures off of Hallie's corkboard. One picture in particular of Leonardo DiCaprio, who Annie has never heard of Leonardo DiCaprio. Then again, are we going to get a Prince William reference? Because I'm like, come on, Prince William. Prince Harry, even. Come on. I mean, she lives in England, for crying out loud. Or London. She's got to be crushing on one of the brothers. That's right, Quinny. Which one do you like? Prince William or Prince Harry? I've always been partial to Prince William because he's like two months and... Three days older than me. <laughs> right? So Annie hands Allie's stuffed bunny, which I think is missing an ear or a whisker or an eye or all three. And I say, oh, here's your... And Hallie's like, oh yeah, that's Cuppy. She probably had that since she was a baby. It's like one of those things where... You're still carrying around your old favorite toy when you're 11 or when you're like going off to college and you have it on a, a bookshelf or something like that. When I had to put have uh, tubes put in my ears, I was probably like maybe five or six. And I remember I had this little stuffed Scooby-Doo, which was probably maybe gotten at a garage sale. Um, but I remember just being in the emergency room, or emergency room, the, um, room, and I, I remember, like, I was scared, and the doctor was like, oh, well, no, look at your Scooby-Doo doll over there, they're putting gauze on the Scooby's head, and I think it was just to make me feel more comfortable. I just, I, I just hold on to that memory, and I still swear to this day that when it came to, you know, putting, you know, putting me out with the anesthetic. I swear he asked what flavor anesthetic I wanted, and I think I said root beer or something. Or maybe he was asking me my favorite 
flavor ice cream. I don't I swear, I swear he asked me what flavor anesthetic I wanted, which probably was not even real, but I believed it. So Annie's like, are any of your pictures ruined? And Hallie's like, oh, well, only the beautiful Leonardo DiCaprio. And honestly, of the pictures that I had of Leo, that one really, to me, wasn't really his best there. I mean, I have... I've seen better pictures. And granted, this is 1998 Leo, so it was just after Titanic hadn't even been out for a year yet. Hallie's surprised. Like, what? You've ne- Oh, you've never heard of Leonardo DiCaprio? And she, mm, no. And <laughs> Hallie's like, how far away is London anyway? And Annie's like, oh, it's about 3,000 miles, but it feels much further. Which it probably would, you know? Being homesick and everything, I can imagine. I mean, you're across the pond. I really wish we would have gotten Prince William or Prince Harry joke. Or at least Prince William. So I like how they're bonding. They're just kind of like, oh, how far away is where you live? And Annie's like, well, how far away is your home? And Hallie's like, well, California's like on the other end of the country. Because they're like in what? Maine? Massachusetts? See, I've already forgotten. I started recording this, like, over a week ago since uh, my trip and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're going, like, somewhere within the main Massachusetts, I mean, California is literally on the other side of the U.S., like, Helly actually has a picture of her home. That's cool. Wow, I mean, the house is gorgeous. I mean, it's wrapped in, uh, kind of has ivy covering starting from the bottom going all the way up to uh, the top. It's just, it's it's pretty, of course. We see the back of this guy there. And, of course, Annie's going to ask who that is. Like, oh, yeah, that's that's my dad. And Hallie's like, oh, yeah, that's my dad. I mean, he didn't know I was taking the picture. Otherwise, he would have turned around. But he's like my best friend. We, we do everything together. So, apparently, seeing Hallie's father or even just a mention of a father just makes Annie kind of feel uncomfortable. But she just plays it off. Like, eh, I'm just chilly, that's all. Because she's wearing, like, a camp hoodie, zip-up hoodie. And then, I mean, I imagine that that cabin they're in is drafty as hell anyway because there's a bucket full of water. There's clearly holes in the roof, so. Plus, if it's Maine, I mean, it's probably, I don't know. Anyway, Hallie pulls out the Oreos. Like, hey, you want an Oreo? And Annie's like, sure, I eat them on peanut butter at home. And Ellie's like, wow, so do I. So it's like twinsy things that they don't know they're twins, but they do similar things. They're both into poker. They both only have one parent. They're both 11 years old. Well, they're twins, that's why. (laughs) Just little similar things. They're both really good at fencing. That sounds so good right now. Oreos and peanut butter. Not just any peanut butter. Skippy peanut butter that Hallie's holding up. Like, oh my goodness. That's only like 9.35 in the morning right now. <laughs> I want my some Oreos and peanut butter. You know, why don't they do that? Why don't they do that? That just sounds like you can... Oh my gosh. What about you, Quinny? Do you want Oreos and peanut butter? Maybe? She's ignoring me. She's looking out the window. <laughs> Every once in a while, she'll uh, comment on something. Won't you, girl? 
So, Hallie and Annie are just hanging out on their cots, and Hallie brings up the subject of, like, hey, what's your dad like? Is he, like, a workaholic who's like, oh, I'll talk to you later, honey, and never does? Or is he the type that, she's like, is he the kind of father that you can talk to? Like, and of course, I'm sure Annie's going to be like, well, I didn't know my father. My parents divorced when I was a baby. Or he left when I was a baby. That clear abandonment feeling. So she says, Annie says that her parents divorced years ago, that her mother doesn't talk about him, that it's almost like he evaporated into thin air. So yeah, they're just kind of bonding over the fact that, you know, parents don't stay together anymore. I mean, it's like nobody stays together anymore. And this is 1998, everyone, I think. Wasn't the divorce rate was just skyrocketing in the 80s? Like, it was a, almost like it was a fad or something. Oh, it's cool to get divorced. You can start all over again. You can be single. Or something. Um, but Hallie's like, hey, when's your birthday? And he's like, October 11th. I'll be 12. And, of course, Hallie starts choking. She's like, uh, my birthday's on October 11th. Like, oh, my gosh. So that there isn't really enough to connect the dots just yet. We're just getting, they're just getting little tidbits about each other. Like, the fact that they look identical is not enough yet. So, Hallie notices that stops raining. Like, hey, let's go get a popsicle. And Hallie, like, jumps out the door, starts going down the stairs. But Annie's at the door like, Hallie, what was your mother like? And Hallie's like, I don't know. She and my dad split when I was just a baby. Maybe even before then. I totally forgot about this, but Annie is wearing a gold necklace, and so is Hall- Hallie's wearing one, like, underneath her her shirt. And she says, you know, my dad doesn't like to talk about her, but I know that she was very, very beautiful. It turns out because she has a picture of her mom, and how funny, because Annie has a picture of her father. Before, of course, we get to the fact that they each have a picture of their, uh parent that left and he's like how do you know she's beautiful and Hallie says well my dad had a picture of her in his sock drawer and I would like pull the picture out and look at it all the time so he let me have it so Hallie's like hey let's go get a lemonade at the mess hall and Annie's like will you stop thinking about your stomach at a time like this and Hallie's like at a time like what and it's like Annie is the one who is putting all the clues together. Like, hey, you only have a father, and I only have a mother. It's clearly obvious. She's like, you've never seen your mom, and I've never seen my dad. And Annie's like, hey, at least you have a picture. A whole picture. Mine's all crinkled and wrinkled and ripped down the middle. And, of course, Hallie's like, oh. It's like it's feeling in the pit of her stomach, because her picture is ripped in half, too. So they decide to dig them out and put them together. It's like, oh boy. Yep. It's a match, everybody. The picture. They're basically, they're holding two sides of the same picture. So Hallie has her picture of her mom that's been torn in half. And Annie gets the picture of her father that's been torn in half. As she pulls it up, she goes, this is so freaky. On the count of three... We'll put the the pieces together. And of course, they do when it's a match. It's a fit. And it's like, that's my dad. That's my mom. Like They both recognize their parents. Like, oh. Of course, the lunch bell rings. And Hallie, Hallie's crying at this point. Like, I'm not so hungry anymore. 
It's like, okay, if my dad is your dad and your mom is my mom and we're both born on October 11th, that means we're sisters. And Annie's like, Hallie, sisters, we're twins. And it's like, okay, anyone older than 11 that was in the scenario would have point blankly like, okay, you look like me, clearly you're not my doppelganger, you're my twin. Anyone older than them probably would have. I mean, it, it's it's cute how this all comes together because they're 11 years old. But anyone older than this is gonna would have probably jumped on this a lot faster. <laughs> For the sake of the story and the sake of the audience and everything, this is kind of how it all had to come together. And this is so sweet. They hug and it's like the rivalry is gone. So Hallie pulls out the locket and Annie's like, what's that you're holding in your hand? And Hallie's like, it's a locket. I got it when I was born. It has an H on it. And Annie pulls hers out and says, I got mine when I was born too. And it has an A on it. It's like, oh, it's cute. It is cute. It's you're probably going, oh, it's corny. It is, it is corny, but it's cute. I, I just, I like it. And Hallie is just happy. She's like, I have goosebumps. I like that they say goosebumps and not like goose pimples or something. I, I'm sorry. No offense to anyone that says goose pimples, but I prefer goosebumps. So, yeah. And I just, I'm happy for Hallie be, because she's like, I'm not an only child. I'm a twin. I'm, I have a sister. And it's just, I mean, it's got to be an amazing feeling. At first, you know, it was just you and your one parent, and then to realize, like, you actually have a whole, like, a family out there, you know, with your sister and, and your mom and everything. And it's just, she's like, it's just, um, it's funny, it's like, there's two of me, I mean, two of us, and it's like, it's mind-boggling, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, research out there. If you were to research information on twins and stuff, there's a lot, a lot of research that you could just similarities in twins and how twins are different. And I'm sure how, you know, twins, once they reach a certain point, want to deviate from their twin, they'll change their appearance to kind of, you know, that way they don't look so identical. Like, I'm sure there are twins out there when they were babies that are probably, their parents, like, dress them identical, and they just, at some point, it's like, and you gotta kind of feel bad, because it's almost like they want to form their own identity, and kind of, like, they're alike, but they want, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, my school had at least three sets of twins in my grade. There was a set of boy twins and two sets of girl twins. Also in the grade below me, I think I had a reading class that had a boy and girl twin. So they hug again and then it's nighttime and they're both telling each other about their, you know, their parent. Like, hey, what's mom like? What's dad like? And it's just, it's fun. It's like opening this whole other... So you have the one twin who's been with that parent their whole life, so they got like the inside story on, you know, what the parents like and all that stuff. And it just, I think eventually it's yeah, it's gonna get to the point where they both want a, a chance to meet the other parent, and of course the swap is gonna come up, which a lot more to the swap. You can't just like change clothes and say there you go, because if you can see, Annie's got the long hair. And Haley's got the short hair. 
and plus one has pierced ears and one's not had pierced ears so yeah but Annie tells Hallie that their mom is a dressmaker. Uh, she designs wedding gowns. Oh, I like how they tape the picture back together and it's up on the cork board. And their mother apparently is making a name for herself because a princess in Greece actually bought one of her wedding gowns. Like, whoa, big time. This is so cute. They push the beds together so they can hang out and just chat. What do you think of that, Quinny? Do you wish you had a twin? No? She's still looking out the window. <laughs> so, Annie, of course, asks Haley, like, Haley, I'm sorry, I wanted to call her Haley, um, if their dad ever decided to get married. And Haley's like, no, never. He says, I'm the only girl in his life, which, oh, that's sweet, but he's got another daughter. <laughs> and even Annie's like, well, our, our mother never came close either. It's like, I mean, it's been 11 years. They're still clearly probably hung up on each other, even though they don't want to admit it. So we can all thank Hallie for the one who comes up with the switch idea. She's like, oh my, she sits, she, they both are like laying on their back like they're getting ready to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, boom, Hallie pops up like a Pop-Tart. And it's like, oh my gosh, I had the best brilliant idea. And she's the one that comes up with the fact that they should switch places, which, like I said... You can't just swap clothes and say, here you go. Because even though they look alike, there are some physical differences. One has longer hair. One has ears pierced. Mainly, Annie's got longer hair. And Hallie has her ears pierced. Like, she's even going to say, well, I can't just come home and say, oh, my ears aren't pierced anymore. But she's like, yeah, you want to know what dad is like, right? And Annie's like, right. And... Hallie's like, and I'm dying to know what mom is like. So, hey, at the end of the summer, I'll go back to London as you, and you will go to California as me. And she's the whole time, Hallie's like, okay, don't freak out. Don't freak out on me, okay? I just, it's like, it, it's it's a far-fetched plan, but, I mean, they're 11, and just the fact that Hallie just came up with this idea in the middle of the night, they can make this work. It'll be some things you gotta... Dot, you gotta connect and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, cross your T's, dot your I's. But, uh, I, I think, you know, we'll make it work. You don't have a movie without the Switch, right? <laughs> right, Quinny? That's right, baby. So, Hallie figures they can pull it off because they're twins, they look alike, but Annie is more, she's a bit skeptical. He, like, we are 100% complete, completely different. And Hallie's like, well, no, that's all right. You know, we'll just spend this time, you know, I'll teach you to be me. You'll teach me to be you, and it'll work out. So amazing that Hallie can pull off a British accent in a heartbeat as she uh, does a quick little impression of Annie. And then she pulls the puppy dog face. Oh, please, I want to meet our mom. So Annie comes to the realization, like, if we do switch, you know, sooner or later they are going to realize that we're not who we say we are, and they're going to have to switch us back. So that's one way to get their parents to meet up. I think of the impression in the back of their mind is eventually they're like, well, we could try to get them back together. But for now they want to meet the other parent that they've gone their whole life without knowing. Which, I mean, if you were in their situation, would you want to pull this off? I mean, it, it, 
seems like it will be a little difficult at first, but it will be well worth, the payoff will be so worth the work that you put into it. I mean, you look alike, I mean, she, if you pull off the British accent like Haley just did, I mean, you're golden. But then again, it's not just about the accent. It's not about the fact that you look alike. There are other physical differences, like the longer hair. Hair's got to get cut. The ears are pierced. Got to pierce the ears. And she even says, well, I went to camp with pierced ears. I can't exactly go home without them. So, yeah. All right, now we get the do you believe in marriage? Uh, do you believe in marriage? <laughs> do you believe in magic song montage where they are kind of quizzing each other and going over the lowdown of this is 11 years worth of history that you're going to need to know about me and vice versa. Not just the parent you need the background. You need the information on any other relatives that she may come in contact with. Any, you know, they got a grandfather that Hallie doesn't know about that she's going to have to learn. Yeah. So, oh, they're eating at the isolation table. So, yeah, Annie puts down a picture of their grandfather. He's like, oh, he's so cute. Hallie's like, what do we call him? And Annie's like, we call him grandfather. What is this, silver spoons? Because <laughs> that's all that grandfather Stratton wanted to be called was grandfather when Rick met him for the first time. Like, oh, can I call you grandpa? Can I call you gramps? It's like, no, grandfather. And of course, Martin the butler. And the thing that'll come back with that is you saw in the beginning of the movie when Annie's dropped off, they had this special handshake that goes on for five full minutes of clapping, slapping, hands, twirling, this, that, under the leg, and Whatever, I don't know. But it's it's pretty detailed. It's like, this will make or break you. As far as him thinking that you're me. <laughs> you slip up on this, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> so, of course, Hallie has a diagram or um, a layout of this ginormous house that she lives in. You know, the terrace, her bedroom, you know, kind of, because... Annie's going to get there, and it's going to look a little weird if Hallie doesn't know how to get to her bedroom or the bathroom or find out where this or that is. Yeah. And, of course, Annie has Martin, but Hallie has Chessie, who is, I don't know if you want to call her a housekeeper, you want to call her a maid. She just, you know, she helps out. Oh, and, she, and Hallie has this adorable golden retriever. I forgot what the dog's name is. We'll learn it. But dogs can't be, cannot be fooled, because, uh, yeah, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm looking at this diagram. I'm seeing Hanley's room. I'm seeing the pool. I'm seeing all of these things. And I'm seeing a bat, one bathroom drawn here on this diagram that's across, on the other side of the house. I'm like, if there is no bathroom near your bedroom and you got to walk way over there just to get to it, Oh my, and the house was that big. I'm sure that it has. I bet anything she's got a bathroom off of her bedroom. I mean, come on. Helly also says the dining room is used for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and of course my birth our birthday, October 11th. That's the only time we ever eaten there. Okay, so yep, they're on the dock. They're doing the handshake from two different sides. And we also see pictures of Chessie. We see pictures of the dog's name is Sammy. We see a diagram of 
or even a blueprint, whatever you want to call it, of Annie's house and where she's living and all that good stuff. So also looking at Annie's diagram of her place, we see a cutout picture of Big Ben, of one of the lending guards. We also see a car. And it even says, I guess there's no second floor or something. I can't read. It says something second floor, but it almost looks like no. But then I, it looks above that, it, like it says the no second or something. But then it says mom's bedroom. So I'm confused. And not to mention, it's like, well, I, I look. I can look again, but I don't see Annie's bedroom on there. We see dressing room. We see there's a closet under the stairs. How very Harry Potter. You know, there's living rooms, there's grandfather's study, there's dining rooms, there's even a spot that says windows. Where is her bedroom? Is she living Harry Potter style? And uh, the closet underneath the stairs? I don't know. Because there isn't... Why wouldn't they put that? I know, I mean, it's a very, a very nice diagram. Uh, very, very nice. I know the Lindsay Lowen didn't draw this up. I'm sure she didn't. Probably whoever was in charge of, you know... The art, whatever department, but um, yeah. Where's her bedroom? We got to see. Uh, whatever, whatever. Okay, I'm moving on because I want to. I want to get to the meat of this. All right, I want to get to the meeting of parents and, and just them having to pretend they're the other person. So yeah. All right, so the montage is over. Now Annie is sitting in a chair. Her hair is down. She's kind of greeting her teeth. Like, oh, okay, I'm ready. Howie pulls out. She's going Stephanie Tanner cutting it close, cutting Uncle Jesse's mullet scissors. These are big scissors. They are not meant to cut hair. But then again, and clearly they're meant for arts and crafts. But then again, who has hair cutting scissors just there, right? We've all been to like a great clips or wherever. We all know what's they use to cut our hair with, right? We know. And that giant scissors that are probably used to cut wrapping paper or fabric is not what you would use to cut hair. Both girls are so nervous. You don't let a nervous person cut your hair. That is just all kinds of, it's gonna not look good. So how is going to trim, like, one piece there. And, of course, Annie sees Haley shutting her eyes. Like, don't shut your eyes. And Haley's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just nervous. I'm like, yo, girl, don't, don't, don't close your eyes when you have a pair of scissors in your hand and you're right near someone's head. That is so dangerous. First rule of scissor safety. Don't close your eyes while you're using scissors. Scissor safety 101, folks. All right, so she ends up cutting her hair. It's funny because uh, Annie's like, you're nervous. I need an 11-year-old cut my hair. Well, it's not like a couple of six-year-olds got together. Like, I'm going to cut your hair. Liz, I've heard stories about that or where five-year-olds try to cut their own hair or they cut, they go over to a friend's house and they cut their hair or something to that. It's always the girls that get together and they always – do like let's play beauty parlor like eh. but no she does a good job as Annie is looking in the mirror they're both wearing the camp Walden shirts and they 
you can't tell them apart because and the fact that she got the length right and everything just looks identical because they're supposed to. And Haley's like, oh wow, for a second there you sounded like me. He's like, I'm letting the eleven year old cut my hair. It's like, well, I'm supposed to sound like you. Of course, when they're looking in the mirror, Haley's like, oh my god. And Annie's like, what? I have pierced ears. And, of course, Annie is like, oh, no, no, no. We already did the haircut thing. We are, you are not piercing my ears. So, Hallie sterilizes the needle by running it through the flame of a matchstick. And Annie's laying on the bed like, are you sure you know what you're doing? And Hallie's like, hey, don't worry. I went with all my friends to get their ears pierced. I'm like, yeah, buy a professional, Hallie. A professional. You probably went to Claire's. Oh, my God. Oh, that's right. Because I noticed that Annie has a little small ice cube behind her earlobe to numb it. That ice cube is not going to numb that ear, I'm telling you. Oh, my goodness. So she says, all right, don't worry. It's not a big deal. On the count of three, remove the ice cube. I'll put the little apple slice behind your ear. And it'll be quick and pain will be over before you know it. It's like, yeah, right. If you guys are fans of Full House and you know, remember when Kimmy Gibbler pierced Stephanie's ear? We didn't see, because she actually used a piercing gun that her brother Garth got because he worked at the piercing palace. Well, Stephanie's ears ended up getting infected, probably because she didn't, Kimmy didn't sterilize that needle. Like, ugh. I'm sure that at the piercing palace they were piercing more than ears. So, <laughs> oh, they're really isolated because it is dark out. Because we see them screaming, we see the outside of the cabin. It's dark. No one's running to make sure they're okay. It's like, oh my gosh. It's one thing the needle is in, but you're gonna have to pull that needle out. And so, what you see it going, and it's just like, ah. I mean. This probably isn't as bad in, as in Home Alone when Marv, like, is going up those tar-covered stairs and ends up putting, um, stepping on that nail. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that one is worse than this. Just think about it, she's still got to do the other ear! You can't just go home with one ear pierced. So, of course, it's the last day of camp, kids are boarding the buses, they're saying their goodbyes, everyone's all... Happy, happy, joy, joy. Like, write me, call me. It's going to be great. We'll see each other next summer. Like, a lot of things can happen in a year. Not to mention, a lot of these kids, you know, they're probably not, they don't even live in the same state. So, yeah. Or even the same country. So, but still, I mean, pen pals. So, we see Hallie dresses Annie, and Annie dresses Haley. Not only are they going to meet their parent, their parent that they've never met for the first time, they also each have a mission. They've given themselves a mission. So one is going to find out how their parents met. The other one is going to find out why things ended, like how it happened, why it happened, all that good stuff. So, Hallie as Annie is picked up in the limo. Martin's going to pick her up at the airport the next day. And they hug. And, aww. I love how Annie is, like, crossing her fingers and crossing her arms. Because I guess she's not going to be picked up until at least probably a few more hours. Wow. She's going to be a lone duck there. 
while everyone else is boarding buses and getting picked up by their parents. I mean, a few hours, wow. We do see a shot of Big Ben and a little bit of London, and then we see Hallie on the plane, and she's like, oh, this is it. It's gonna, that has got to feel so surreal. I mean, they made the the switch and everything where she's pretending to be Annie, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's like, you're already on the plane, it's like, you, you, it's, there's no, there's no going back now, you have to see this through, but it's like, she's like, oh my gosh, I mean, she's gonna be seeing the parent that she thought, like, you know, left when she was a baby and stuff like that. Can you imagine, like, the nerves and butterflies, like, oh, and Hallie's saying to herself, like, oh, God, I hope she likes me. I was like, oh, sweetie, she's going to love you because she thinks you're Annie. <laughs> she's just like, please like me, please. So it looks like she's getting off at Heathrow Airport. I noticed a lady behind her had, like, a little luggage carrier thing that said Heathrow on it. So Hallie spots Martin. It's like, Annie! And... It, like, give me five, girlfriend. Like, hey, you cut your hair. It's the new you. And you got your ears pierced. And, of course, they go right into the... It's almost like she hesitates for a split second. Almost like, gosh, okay, I remember how I do this now. And they, they do the whole routine. <laughs> it's, it's cool. I love how this guy who's walking past just kind of looks at looks at that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So we get a montage of... Haley looking out the window, seeing all the sights <coughs> as they're driving by. It's the song There She Goes plays by. It's not by... It's not the version that I remember because this version is sung by a guy and the one I'm thinking of is sung by a, a, a girl. So they pull up to the house. She gets out. And luckily she's by herself because she loses that accent because she's just being her. Like, this is it. Seven Pembroke Lane. It's like, whew. Good thing Martin didn't, uh, wasn't right behind her. Like, oh, your accent? What? What's going on? <laughs> okay, there is an upper level to that house. Why does it say something about, it looked like it said no upstairs, but there are clearly stairs. Okay, I, whatever. Because we see, like, uh, open window on a balcony and just the curtains kind of blowing in the window there like okay and she hesitates takes a big deep breath like, puts her hand on the door i thought for a second it was like gonna be locked but and she opens the door so she walks in nice little living room there's even a sign that says welcome home annie and she hears this <laughs> cough she goes into the room and we see, we don't see her grandfather. We see a newspaper being held, held up by two hands. So it's like for the big reveal. So her grandfather goes and hugs her and he's like, what are you doing? Because she's, you know, Hallie's smelling him probably because she figures once we get switched back, she's probably never going to see him again. And she's like, oh, smelling. I'm making a memory. So that way, when I'm older, I'll always remember my grandfather smelled like peppermint and tobacco. Oh, peppermint and pipe tobacco. Oh, her mother is there because she calls from um, the stairway. And Annie's like, mother? Well, Haley is like, mother? 
Aw, and she's just so happy to see her little girl. I love the slow-mo hug. Oh, it's so sweet because this is the first time she's ever gotten to see her mother and, you know, be held by her mom. And it's just, wow. And her mother notices she's got her haircut and like, oh, a girl did it at camp. And, oh, you've got your ears pierced. Yeah. And she's like, oh, anything else that you should tell me? You know, do you got belly button rings or tattoos? Like, and Haley is crying. She's like, oh, what's wrong? I just miss you so much. And it's like, yeah, because she's never seen her mother before. And it's good that she at least can kind of play it off like, oh, I just missed you so much. Because, you know, she's been away for, what, six to eight weeks. So, yeah. And her mother says, I know it seems like it's been forever. And Haley is like, you have no idea. So, her mother having tea, she's asking, like, was it fun? How were the kids? Tell me all about it. Martin comes in, he's like, I found a stowaway in your suitcase. And he holds up Cuppy by an ear like it's the grossest thing in the world. He doesn't want to touch it. And Haley right away is like, oh, Cuppy, oh my god, Cuppy. And he's like, Cuppy? Because they, <laughs> they probably know what childhood toys she's had. And I'm sure Cuppy is not on that list. So she probably just has to play it off like, oh, well, it, a friend of mine from camp had given it to me. So I, I'm sure it's kind of, she's going to say something like it's a friend from me. It, it's been so long since I watched this movie. But she breaks her accent like right away. So she's kind of flipping from Annie to Hall, like to Hallie. So yeah, she does say, oh, uh, a friend from camp. She slept with it all the time as a child because Martin even says, should I dispose of this? Like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, okay, calm down. Hell, it's okay. They're not going to throw away Cuppy. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll mail it to her. She can't, slept with the singer her entire life. It's just, just, she loves it so, so much. <laughs> I love how she dismisses Martin. Like, that'll be all, Martin. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> uh, Okay. So, of course, Annie's mother gets a work call just saying Annie just got home from camp. So, I just can't you manage without me. Someone's doing a photo shoot. Turns out they can't manage without her. And while she's on the phone, I love how Haley is kind of going over to her mother's um, dressing table and just kind of, you know, fingering, like, the pearls and the perfume and everything like that. Making more memories, I'm sure. I love this song. Um, it's Here Comes the Sun. It's not, it's not by um, the Beatles, but it's by a different artist. But it's still, I think it's sweet. Okay, I noticed in the trivia here where they're saying about the prisms that were in Pollyanna, that old man, and um, whatever that, Beans or whatever that, what was that boy's name? The way he played an old yeller, he was in a lot of the Disney movies. Kevin Cochran played, you know, Toby Tyler and stuff, and I forgot what his character's name was in Pollyanna, but um, he ends up living with the the elderly man, and they're selling prisms. Anyway, these prisms, that's a callback to Hallie Mills, Mills, who was in Pollyanna, who also was in the 1950s, 60s version of The Parent Trap, so it's kind of a callback to that. Like, okay, yeah, I know it would pop up in the movie, it just... Wasn't sure when. Oh, so, yeah, her mother says, okay, hold on a second. 
Hallie, or Hallie, <laughs> Annie, would you like to run down to the studio with me? Would you hate that? And Hallie, as Annie, is like, no, I love it. <laughs> it's like, because they're playing this Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun, you see them on Abbey Road walking across. <laughs> and it's kind of a throwback to that. So they go to uh, Elizabeth James, the store that uh, Annie's mother owns. Oh, that's pretty cool. Isn't it also the name of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's fashion company? Their design is uh, uh, Elizabeth James, named for you know their younger sister and brother. I thought. So apparently, the problem that she her mother had to come down and fix was. The veil, if the model wears it, it's going to hide kind of the back part of the top of the dress. And so her mother, of course, like, oh, I got this. Okay, hmm. Annie, hand me one of those top hats over there by the display. So Annie goes over, takes a black one, a white one, and her mother's like, all right, what one do you like? Annie, of course, is white because, you know, white dress. So her mother takes the white top hat. Puts the veil on top of it. So lady wear it. That way it kind of bumps it up just a smidge. So it's not really covering the back of the top half of the dress. Which is great. And it looks a lot better. And it's, and I love Hallie's like, my mom is so cool. <laughs> and I just love before they go into the store how they're looking at the display. And... Annie, or Haley is, Annie is saying, like, wow, you know who looked great in this dress? And her mother's like, who? She's like, you. And her mother's like, I think that time change made you a little loopy. So, of course, the model in the wedding dress, you know, has Annie come up and, you know, they're hugging and doing all this fun stuff for pictures. Aww. Which, I mean, you gotta be a good sport if you're a model in the, um designer's kid comes into like yeah you gotta be all smiles and happy you can't be like oh, I just can't what's this kid doing here you can't do that no so Hallie's walking with her mom and she's like wow designing all these wedding dresses must really make you think about wanting to get married again right or at least think about the f word and I'm thinking oh it's 98 the f word uh, <laughs> and her mother's like the f word and Hallie's like my father uh, yeah, she, she, that, that's not really subtle there, but she pretty much just wants, like, cuts to the chase, like, okay, let's, let's just, let's get into this right now, let's find the dirt, I want to know what happened. So, and I'm just kind of thinking about this, is, her mother clearly can see something just seems a little off about Annie because Annie probably has never really asked too many questions like she probably did when she was younger like who's my dad where's my dad why isn't he here with us maybe when she was younger and then eventually you know whatever questions her mother kind of pass used to pacify her just kind of you know cut the subject off and they moved on and everything but all of a sudden now here come the questions again and just what I'm trying to say is it just thinks like maybe her mother seemed like Annie just kind of seems out of character. Like this isn't her normal behavior. May I mean, I don't know. The excitement, because we never really got to see Annie in London post 
Camp Walden. So we don't know how she was with her with her mother prior to this. So we don't really have comparison. And the same thing with Hallie and her father. We don't have a comparison of pre-Camp Walden to go and base these two and say, well, oh, this person is, you know, their behavior is not, like, seamless, like, because we don't have, like I said, we don't have a comparison. We have, yeah. And, and, and even they don't either. They only have who the person they met at camp is and enough, a little bit of time to be able to take on that identity. It's like, say, like, if you made a clone of yourself, that person is not going to act. It might look like you, it might talk like you, but it's going to be a different person. It's, Yeah. Okay, so she says that her father was very, very lovely, even when they met. And that uh, they met on the QE2, which is the Queen Elizabeth II. It's a cruise ship that sailed from London to New York. So neither of them were keen on flying. Neither, you know. So, and they were seated next to each other at dinner. So, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So her mother kind of... Cuts her off, just like, oh, I knew you are going to ask me all these questions one day. She calls for a taxi, because all of a sudden, it just starts raining, and she just happens to have an umbrella handy. And, of course, Hallie's like, I wonder what dear old dad is doing at this very moment. So now we've seen a glimpse into Annie, or uh, Haley, Haley, Hallie as Annie. Now we're going to see... Annie is ha uh, Hallie. So now we go to the Napa airport. So, yeah. Her dad is there to meet her at the airport. You just hear, like, oh, it's him. He's like, hey, Hal. Welcome, welcome home, kiddo. I'm like, aww. I'll say one thing for Dennis Quaid. He has got an amazing smile. He really, really does. It's just his eyes just sparkle and light up. And he's got his arms wide. He's like, get in these arms, you little punk. And Annie as Haley just hugs her dad like, finally. And I've seen this giant duffel bag, which you get, what, one carry-on and one personal item. So I'm guessing that giant duffel bag was stored in an overhead compartment because you are not getting that underneath the seat in front of you. That thing is human. That thing probably weighs as much as she does. It's that big. But then again, I mean, it's got a whole, what, six weeks or eight weeks worth of clothes? Yeah. I love her dad. It's like, oh, I hope you had a lousy time at that camp because you're not going back. I missed you so much. Aww. So, he's like, well, what happened to you, Hal? Something's changed. And I'm kind of wondering, I think it's like, he knows something might seem a little, maybe seem a little off, but he kind of plays it off like, oh, you're getting taller. <laughs> so, she's like, hey, how's Chessie and everybody? Like, oh, yeah, they're great. Everyone's just so excited to see you. And Annie is, Hallie says, wow, it's just so many changes. Because he's like, so many things have changed in eight weeks. Like, yeah, I've gone through a lot of changes, too. I'm practically a brand new woman. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, what, I cut myself shaving or something? Because she seems a little, uh, maybe not too standoffish. But then again, she's like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's just the first time seeing you. I mean, in a long time. 
And then she makes a joke like, hey, I think you've gotten taller too, Dad. And then just like in London, we do get a little mini driving montage here where we see the vineyards and everything, the long winding road and the scenery. And it's just, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. I've never been out to California, but I think it would be cool to, to go out there one day. So in the car on the way back, <laughs> Dennis Quaid, of course, is sporting a cowboy hat. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks for all those newsy letters. You know, all that stationery just had to buy you. And Annie slips up here. It's like, oh, well, we wanted to write you, but we just... And he's like, we? Like, uh, I mean... <laughs> he plays it off like, oh, well, me and my friend, we just, we got really close over the summer and everything like that. But... We, we met at camp and everything. Like, so yeah, I met this girl at camp. <laughs> we came really became really close. Almost like sisters. <laughs> she's such a lovely girl. Or she's such a lovely girl. And her dad is like, lovely girl. Since when did you become so proper? <laughs> well, that's just her dialect. That's just how Annie talks. And of course, you know, she slips up a smidge. But then again, they're 11 years old, so it's not going to be, like, an airtight. There, you gotta, There's going to be slip-ups here and there. That's just how it is. Right, Quinny? So I guess one of Hallie's, and I'm guessing maybe even Annie's, is that they tend to chew their nails. Okay, you're still biting your nails, I see. It's like, oh, Dad, you finally noticed. And he's like, what do you mean finally noticed? You've been biting your nails since you could chew. And she's like, but I'm going to stop. It's a horrid habit. And he's like, lovely girl. Horrid habit. Did I send you to camp or finishing school? <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, Annie, you might want to dial it down a smidge on your dialect there, sweetie. <laughs> You're letting too many things slip and you haven't even gotten to the house yet. You haven't even met Chessie or Sammy yet. And he's like, why do you keep saying dad at the end of every sentence? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was doing it, dad. <laughs> so she's like, alright, you want to know the honest truth? Well, my basically for the last eight weeks, my, my, my whole life, well, the last eight weeks, I've never actually been able to say the word dad. Never, not once. I'm just thinking, well, she's playing it off because she's never gotten to say dad before, but she's playing it off like, oh, yeah, well, I was away for two months, so I just, yeah. Well, I think the fact, like, yeah, Annie has never said dad, so it's just, like, the just the fact that she can say it and everything, and so now she kind of jumps on the uh, how great dads are train. And she says how dads are, uh, are an irreplaceable person in a girl's life and how there's a, a day celebrating dads. Well, there's also a day celebrating moms, too, but still. Wow, she was really going to town on this uh, devotion of fathers here. She's like, just think about it. I mean, never buying your dad a Father's Day card. Or never sitting on your father's lap. I, I'm sorry. Just the whole Father's Day card kind of gets me. Because this is um the second year I haven't been able to buy my dad a Father's Day card. So. And, and, and it's sad because, you know, my dad's birthday is June 1st. And it always falls in the same month as Father's Day. So it's kind of a double whammy. And, uh. 
also with my birthday being next month this will be the second birthday since he's been gone that uh, he's not gonna call me on my birthday so uh. so yeah she's really on this dad train like a baby's first words are always dada well maybe or mama or cup or who knows <laughs> But yeah, he's like, wow, you're really into calling me dad, huh? I mean, even he's like, okay, can we kind of like uh, move on to another subject? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he loves the adoration and everything from his daughter, but it's like, okay, we've exhausted this topic. Let's move on. <laughs> so they actually have like an entryway to the heart. It says Parker Knoll, K-N-O-L-L. -L. Like, oh, that's so cool. So they pull up in front of the house. We see the upstairs, also a uh, little balcony there. Sammy the dog is barking his head off. We see Chessie is just running to Hallie. Like, oh my gosh, look at you. Oh, I miss you so much. Like, picks her up and twirls her around in a hug. Like, aww. Chessie is awesome. I love her. <laughs> She's like, hey, don't talk your, let your dad talk you out of coming back to camp, okay? You're a growing girl. You need adventure. Like, yeah, yeah. She found plenty of adventure going to this camp. Her life, life-changing adventure here. Even Jessie is just noticing, like, oh, you hungry? And Hallie kind of shrugs her shoulders, like, hey, I made corn, uh, cornbread and chili. Like, ooh. And she's like, oh, what's wrong? Why are you so quiet? Because I guess Hallie probably, Hallie probably isn't really known to be a quiet person and it's just like I really wish we could have kind of seen them prior to coming to camp just seeing how they are with their prospective parent because yeah so Annie is Hallie just says oh nothing I'm just so happy to be home aww she, Jesse does know, like, oh, something has changed about you, Hal. And, of course, her her dad comes up with Hallie's bag, like, hey, do I hear something about cornbread and chili? Like, yeah, it's on the stove. Go help yourself. <laughs> oh, guys, and their stomachs. They're always hungry. Yeah, Jesse's like, eh, something has changed. I just, I can't put my finger on it. And, of course, Hallie, or Annie is Hallie's just trying to play, well, no, same old me. And I love how she's, like, doing the crossing the fingers. Then we hear Sammy barking, like, oh, boy. The dog knows it's not the same child. Sammy, come on, you're going to blow her cover, dog. <laughs> so it's like, oh, my gosh. Jesse's like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you, goofball? It's Hallie. It's like, oh, I just smell at camp, I guess. Like, the dog's like, you picked up the wrong kid! <laughs> That's not Hallie! <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing that dogs can't talk. So now that hit Hallie, or Annie is by herself kind of looking in the living room, it's like, ah, it's better to send the pictures. She's letting the, well, if you want to call California an accent, well, for, you know, Annie playing a American accent. She drops the accent as soon as she's by herself. It's like, you gotta be, yeah, de definitely if you're gonna drop and just speak normally, you make sure that nobody else is anywhere near you. Or within earshot. So yeah, Chessie's like, alright kiddo, what do you want to do first? Do you want to unpack and then eat? Or eat and, uh, and then unpack? Or do you want to eat while you're unpacking? And I'm guessing this is something that Annie isn't allowed to do in her own house. Like, because she asks, like, can you eat in my room? And she's, 
Jesse's like, yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. That's a possibility. This is, oh man, this is not the time. This is not the time to meet a new person. She just walked in the door five minutes ago. He's like, hey, when you're done there, how won't you come down down? I, I want you to meet somebody. The day she gets back, and her dad's name is Nick. I'm like, Nick, seriously, wait a day. He he should have prepared her for this. This is you don't just drop this on the day your kid you bring your kid home from camp. I would be very angry. I mean, he didn't even write letters to her and say, like, hey, by the way, when you get back, because he did say a lot of changes. He didn't specify what changes took place, but just that there have been a lot of changes while you've been away. I would be suspicious because that is me. <laughs> I am a person that does, um, I'm not a big fan of change, but um, I'm trying to learn you know, with the, the big move coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, um, that's a big, big change, big, big change. So all about adapting, <laughs> but yeah. So Nick goes out onto the terrace with his yellow bowl of chili and cornbread. And we see a lady wearing a white dress. We don't, and a hat. We don't see her face, we just see the back of her, and she's like, oh, look at you, always eating, so she's chastising the fact that he likes to eat a lot, and she leans over to him, like, oh, did you tell her, and he's like, uh, no, not yet, and she calls him Nicky, even though his name is Nick, uh, so now we're up in Hallie's room, Chessie's helping her unpack her big yellow duffel bag, like, look, it's not my business what your dad does or how he makes a fool of himself. Hallie, of course. I love that <laughs> that old box, that 90, late 90s box computer or boxy looking monitor <laughs> on her desk. So Chessie clearly is not going to give up the deets too easily about who this lady is that uh, Hallie's dad is fraternizing with. Oh, okay, so she does give, uh, Chessie does give Hallie the, the 411. She says her name is Meredith Blake, and she's a publicist from San Francisco. I'm guessing maybe she's interested in doing an article on his vineyards, or maybe that's how it started, and one thing led to another. They had dinner one night, popped open some wine, started talking... One thing led to another. You know how these things go. Okay, my bad. No, he hired her to do some publicist, you know, work on the vineyard to kind of get it out there like like it's not, like, doing some publicity for the vineyard and get it more noticed. I mean, Howie did say that they live in Napa Valley, so maybe he wants to get it out in San Fran and Los Angeles and Hollywood, you know, they want... All the rich, famous people drinking Parker Vineyard wine. Even Chessie's like, yeah, I think this lady's doing more better selling herself than selling, you know, uh, the image of the vineyard. I'm going to check who Chessie is, because I swear I've seen her in something else prior to this or after this. Well, I was just looking at this on IMDb, actually... Who, the woman who plays Marva Jr., or as I referred to as MJ, 
And now I've never watched the show Friends, but I've heard of this character named Janice that Chandler dates. And the lady who plays Marva Jr., Maggie Wheeler, played this uh, Janice character. But, let's see. So, the lady who plays Chessie is Lisa Ann Walter. Oh, that's where I know her. I'm like, I know. Okay, so it would have been after. Bruce Almighty. Okay, yeah, she played... I think Jennifer Aniston's character's sister, I think. And she, like, completely despised Jim, Carrey, Jim Carrey's character, thinking, like, oh, this guy's no good. Okay, side note real quick, I'm sorry, and then I'll get back to the movie. It sent me down a little detour of, um, do you remember in 2007 when Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant put out a movie called music and lyrics. I remember seeing it at the theater and I thought like the the sister of Drew Barrymore whether she played chess. She didn't. She didn't with some other actress. But I'm just like, oh gosh, what's that song that I like that Drew and Hugh Grant sang together in that movie? I'm like, oh. So it sent me down. I'm like, oh yeah! Way Back Into Love. Oh! It's so good, guys. It's so good. Check out the clip on YouTube. Oh, it's, I have not seen that movie probably since it came out, but it's such a good, cute movie. I love Drew Barrymore. I just, I love her acting. I love her acting and, you know, with Adam Sandler and just such an amazing actress. Okay, back to Parent Trap. I'm sorry for that little detour. So yeah, Chessie's like, look, your dad is not like the Bachelor of the Month type of guy and everything so she's like I'm asking my Jesse's like I'm asking myself what does a hot young thing like that lady out there see in this man with the shirt tail hanging out and him eating chili out of a cereal bowl so Hallie Annie is Hallie grabs this camera with this great in-depth lens on it you know because cell phones like that crap basic bare bones cell phone we saw in the beginning doesn't have a camera phone, so you go with an actual camera. So she's just taking pictures, like, seeing, like, maybe if I can, if she can, um, see, like, the expressions on their faces and see if she can kind of draw anything from those pictures. Like, what, what can I see based on their expressions? I mean, we haven't even really officially met Meredith yet. We just saw her from the back, and it's like, this bitch is a gold digger. She's at least 20 years younger than he is. Yeah. I think she's more seeing dollar signs in her eyes than uh, jumping up, up on Dennis Quaid's D. I don't, I don't think so. I think she's seeing the dollar signs. So as Annie is taking pictures, we see Nick grabbing Meredith's ass. Like, dang, dude. And again, I mean, if he's hitting this 20-something-year-old thing... <laughs> He's probably like, hey, I'm like close to 40 and I still got it. So Chessie's kind of filling in Hallie about what, you know, oh my gosh, Meredith and your dad do everything together. They eat together. They swim together. They go out to dinner and eat every single night. It's just, ay 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 ay. Oh, I guess oh, Hallie comes out. Annie is Hallie. Hallie. Gah. Sorry, guys. Comes out wearing a shirt. It's, I think it says like Parker Hill or Parker Hills or something. Maybe that's the name of the wine. And she's like, oh, 
Yeah, come out and meet my my friend. Friend, why do they do this? Why do single fathers always do this? This is my friend. Bullshit. Just say it's someone you're fucking, okay? You don't need to lie to your 11-year-old daughters. You could see through the lens the ass grab that you gave Meredith. So cut the bullshit, Nick. I love how Annie is <laughs> wearing sunglasses. And we just see... Meredith is wearing this black hat that is actually tipped down, and you see the slow reveal. And I swear, her smile couldn't be any more faker if it was painted on. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't say Parker Hill. It's, her shirt says Parker Noel, 1993 Chardonnay. And you know Meredith's just trying to play it off like, oh, I can't believe I'm meeting the famous Hallie. I've heard about you all summer, and I couldn't wait to meet you. So, so fake. She's putting it on for Nick. And of course, Nick is completely fooled. Like, like oh, great. She likes my kid. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Meredith clearly is all about flattery. And I'm sure Annie can see right through this. Like, oh, the way your father talked you about you, I was expecting a little girl, but you're a gr grown a grown-up was like, enough with the flatter. She can, Annie can see right through this. Hallie would be able to see right through this, too. And Annie, Hallie, is like, I'll be 12 soon. How old are you? And you can see Nick. I thought he was going to say, like, honey, that's inappropriate. But Meredith just kind of rolls with, oh, I'll be, tw I'm 26. Like, oh, you and your 26-year-old self. Grabbing that 40-year-old D. Oh, my gosh, I love this girl. I love her. Love her spunk, and I love Hallie's too. It's just amazing. Like, yeah, Annie's pretty quick. She's like, hmm, only 15 years older than me. And how old are you again, Dad? <laughs> like, am I the only one? I can't be the only one, like, seeing, like, the numbers here just are off. Like, yeah. So he's like, oh, wow, all of a sudden you're interested in math. That's great. Here, while you hang out here, I'm going to go get some more chili because, you know, I'm a guy. And I'm going to get some uh, Chablis, some uh, champagne to celebrate. And Annie is Hallie. is like, what are we celebrating? And you just see the look on Nick's face and Meredith's, but she plays like, oh, you're homecoming, of course. I'm like, oh, my God, I'll kill you. Sorry, I don't like her. <laughs> Ugh. So Nick leaves and Annie hangs out by the pool. And of course, I'm just thinking, because she was wearing a, a t-shirt and being that, you know, she's got kind of fair skin, I'm like, you might want the t-shirt. I, I'm just saying that because, you know, fair skin, I have kind of fair skin too. I burn easily. I actually, two months ago, I took a three and a half hour walk and I'm still have the tan on from, I figure that that tan's going to last me all summer. But yeah, but of course, Reverend Mosby is on the phone. Uh, oh, oh, and I'm surprised bells aren't going off in Annie's ears. Like, what's this? Oh, and Meredith's like, oh, yes, charity. Yep, I'm writing it down. And I love how Annie is just rolling her eyes. Oh, this bitch. And Meredith, of course, she's got that flip phone there. You know, it's 1998. And... Do, does it, like, when people, like, put up that finger when they're on the phone, like, 
minute, give me a minute. Like, ugh. this important phone call. So when is she fending calls for charities on Nick's behalf? Like, oh, Mr. Parker will be out of the country for a few days. And right away, Annie is looking at her like, wait, what is this? I just got back. Why the hell would he be going out? I, I'd be, ugh. If I were Annie, I'd be a little irritated. Like, wait, just a damn minute. I just got here. I haven't even been here for an hour yet, and all of a sudden he's going out of the country. I don't, I need to find out. Oh... Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, okay, 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 hold on, hold up. I, am I putting pieces together? Like I said, guys, it's been a very long time since I watched this all the way. Gosh, when was the last I can't even remember. But, I'm thinking he and his wife, you know, Elizabeth, they're not divorced. So he must have to go out of the country to get a divorce in order to get married to Meredith, hence the celebrating. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, I got I, I, I got the no. It might have been a decade or more since I watched this movie, but I'm in the no, y'all. Uh, I, I, things are coming back to me now. They're coming back. The old memories kicking in. So Meredith gets off the phone and she's like, oh, how was, how was camp, Hal? And I'm like, oh, hold up. Hold up, bitch. That is the nickname her father uses. You just met her. You're not that familiar yet. So just back yourself up a bit, okay? Back up. But Aunt Annie, as hell, is like, oh, wait, you said something about my dad going out of the country? And, and of course... Meredith's like, oh, well, no, I just had to tell a little fib, a little white lie to uh, get that uh, pastor off our back. Always calling up about charities to donate money. So I don't know what Meredith is fishing for here. Like, oh, you and your dad, the way he talks about you, you guys must be close. And Annie as Hallie is like, yeah, we're incredibly close. I mean, we're all each other has. She does a cannonball in the pool. Of course, water splashes onto Meredith. Not a tidal wave of water. But she's like, ah! I'm like, bitch, you're near a swimming pool. You don't want to get wet, go inside. Because you, you're going to be by a swimming pool, odds are you're going to get a droplet or two on you. And if you're all dolled up like yourself, then get the hell away from the pool. That's all I got to say. Oh, here we go. We started with the mayor because her name's Meredith. Like, oh, I'm sorry, did I get you wet, mayor? And, of course, Meredith's like, oh, just a little bit, Hal. So Meredith says, hey, your daddy, oh, my God, I just want to scratch your face. Um, I don't like that. I mean, if you guys are those that have had parent, uh, father who's been dating and the person they're seeing will say oh your daddy said you were so i'd be like no daddy no 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 just dad father that's how you're gonna refer to him or by his first name but don't do this daddy business she's 11 not four but she's like oh your daddy let me ride your horse i hope that's okay with you and <laughs> Annie is Hallie is like, oh, Sprout's used to strange women riding her. Oh, she's trying to say something like, 
Oh, well, my, like, my dad's always bringing women over to ride horses with him or something to that effect. Like, you're not the first, bitch. <laughs> you're not the first to crawl up on his D. Why am I talking about his D all the time? Ooh, I don't know. So, Meredith, you really don't think there were others? I don't think there really were, but you know that Annie is, Haley is not gonna, yeah, she's trying to throw uh, Meredith off a bit. But, girl, you are not the first. <laughs> not by far. I mean, Meredith is not even fit to breathe the same air as Elizabeth James, okay? Okay. I gotta ask, did the term 411 come around in 1998? Because the way that Annie is Haley mentions 411, like it's the newest term, and Meredith, of course, has never heard of it. What's the 411? Like, the info, the lowdown. You want a list of all the women my dad has banged? Because I could give it to you right now. And she's like, oh, you know, I can't say I blame you because I'd want to know if I were like number 28 or 29 in a man's life if it were, I mean, if it were me. And of course, Meredith is like, she's kind of falling for this, like, I'm number 29. I'm like, oh, it could be 30. I I'm not sure. I've actually lost count. He might be closer to the 40s. <laughs> you no, know, I am, like, almost 12, so, yeah. So, yeah, she kind of goes, like, like, yeah, routine, like, horseback riding, you know, the uh, romantic dinners with the champagne, midnight swims, you know, you know, you know how it goes, yeah. This is, this is, this is how he woos his ladies. Yeah, this, is, this is nothing special. You're nothing special, girl. This is just routine for him. Just as Nick is coming out with his special reserve label. Uh huh. So he's like, hey, you girls find anything interesting to talk about while it's gone? And as soon as he mentions that, Annie is Haley gets off the inner tube and just. Oh God, why is it like when she did that, I like wanted to jump in a pool? Even though I can't swim. Um, I can doggy paddle, but. I, I just, I don't know, I, for some reason, and I never had a problem swimming in lakes as a kid, but as an adult, I mean, we live not far from, well, right now we live not far from Lake Michigan, and I can't remember the last time I went into the water here. I just, I don't know, something about wanting to just be, the water being clear, free of, you know, anything, I can see my feet, all that stuff. Does anyone else have to, like, when they go underwater, do you, like, plug your nose with your fingers and, like, go under? Or do you just, like, hold your breath and go under? How do you do that? Because I have always, like, if I'm going to go under, I'm like, all right, plug my nose and go under the water. All right, you know what? It's been a hot minute. Let's go take a look and see what, uh, yeah, and, um, Hallie is Annie, as Annie is up to. What's What's going on with her? Looks like we got a phone call, and I'm guessing that Annie has got to parlay some info to Hallie's Annie. Like, okay, let's, I gotta give you the info because you haven't been here in eight weeks, and some serious changes have taken place in your household. One word, Meredith. Turns out Annie is calling... Hallie on the phone. They make up a code name. I'm like, oh, it's Mildred from camp. Don't worry about it. So they both, of course, in order to drop the accents, 
Annie goes into the bathroom. Hallie goes into Harry Potter's closet, bedroom, under the stairs. That way they could just drop the phony accents and talk normally. Because, I mean, think about it. They got to keep up those accents, like, whenever somebody's around. That is a big, big, big commitment. The fact that Hallie could just jump into that British accent at the drop of a hat. I mean, the twin powers... 100% twin powers. So Hallie, of course, wants to talk about how great their mom is. Like, I can't believe I went my whole life without knowing her. She's smart and beautiful and funny and just fun and amazing. But, of course, that's not the reason that Annie is calling. She's kind of Meredith. She's also, you know, going on about um, the gowns mom makes. And, oh, I got her talking about how she and dad met. And... Annie's got more pressing issues than all of this. Like, yeah. So Annie says, you have to bring Mother out here immediately. And Hallie's like, no, I just have one day with her. I can't. I won't do it. And Annie's like, well, Dad's in love. I mean, this is a big problem here, okay? He's kissing this lady on the neck, holding her hand. And waiting on her hand and foot. It's like, no, dad is not into romance seriously, at least. Like, well, he is serious about this one here. I mean, come on. So, Hallie's advice to Annie is like, look, sabotage it, end the relationship, have them break up somehow, just whatever you need to do, just do it. That's a tall order for an 11-year-old. So Annie explains how she's at a disadvantage because she's only met her father, you know, 12 hours earlier. And I love how while Hallie's in the closet, which it clearly is used for coats, she finds a butterscotch um, candy in one of the pockets. How long has that been there? Uh, but it's like, you have to bring Mother out here. Like, I can't, okay? Just, you do what you've got to do, all right? It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Annie, I can't. You know, I want more time with Mom. It's like... That's not fair. You've known her for almost 12 years, and I've never known her. It's like, yeah, you can't make up for 12, almost 12 years in twenty in 24 hours. That's not, no. That's not, a, not nearly enough time. So Anne, of course, is using the wrapping on the candy to pretend that there's distortion on the lines. God, Anne, are you there? Are you there? You know, this is... Death, what's that going on with the cell phones? Like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hold on. Can you hear me now? You can't. Oh, okay. Oh, I lost you. <laughs> so, Hallie is Annie, pops out of a closet, crawling on her hands and knees, to find three people staring down at her. Her mother, Martin, and her grandfather. If they were listening at the door, they could tell that she would not have that accent. Like, what's going on here? It's like, oh no, I was talking from a friend from camp. This is 98. Long distance charges if you're calling from the States. And even if Annie's calling to London, that's expensive. I called someone 40 minutes away in 1995, and that was considered long distance. I can only imagine calling out of the country how expensive that would be. So, Annie, uh, Hallie, of course, is like, hey, let's do, uh, breakfast. And, of course, now we're gonna go back to Napa, California, where Chessie's got eggs sunny side up, we got your bacon, you got your chocolate chip pancake. My god, I get it, she's a kid, and, like, put this food away, like, no tomorrow, but, you know, no, no 30-something-year-old person is eating all of that and not gonna be having issues later or 
gain at least five pounds from all of that. Like, that is... I would have to take a Tums after eating the bacon, the eggs, and the pancakes. In fact, that would probably have to be the majority of my meal for the day, because that is a bit. I mean, I, I love pancakes, and I love waffles too, but all that bread and stuff just really weighs on you. Like, really, like, sits, like, right in your stomach, and it's just like, like, it's almost like it takes longer to digest food now than it did when you were a kid, or maybe it's easier to burn it off when you're a kid because you have that metabolism you have all that energy so apparently chili is Hallie's favorite meal but Annie doesn't know that I guess that must have been one of the things that uh, they didn't talk about during their let's learn more about you my twin session um it's like well you didn't touch your chili which is your favorite food in the world and now you don't want your pancakes are you sick and she actually you know Puts her uh, hands to her, her hand to her forehead. It's like, no, I'm fine. Um, well, and the look that it just honestly looked like Hallie was irritated with Chess. Like the look, like, why are you still standing there? You don't need to stand there. You can like go. Uh, just she had this look on her face, which Chessie just thought like chalked that up to like oh she must be sick or something like no I'm not where's dad and Chessie's like well he and I'll just have half a grapefruit like left an hour ago to apparently he didn't want to wake you so who knows what they're up to I'm really shopping for wedding rings so of course we get Hallie saying or Annie as Hallie saying oh well uh my friend Mildred from camp she lives in New York because Chessie's like, oh, you must be so tired because uh, when you stayed up till midnight to make calls in the bathroom. It's like, oh, well, then you must have just wanted to wait till midnight to call, you know, in New York. Which, the time difference, of course, would be 3 a.m. Like, uh, uh, yeah. So... Annie and Hallie throws a curveball, like, oh, well, I mean, she lives in New York, but at the time when I called her, it was actually 7 o'clock at night, because she's vacationing in Bora Bora right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, do you know how time change works? Yeah. I don't think I would have really gotten that as a kid, as far as time change. I know that in Texas, or an hour behind Michigan, that I know. So, apparently he wants... Hallie to meet him in his office after breakfast. Alright. And Sammy comes around the corner. Hallie's getting up. She takes a bite of toast and she's like, alright, I'm done with breakfast. Bye. And the dog's just is barking crazy at her. It's like, what's with this dog? It's so weird. He's barking at me. And of course when she goes to go out, she's like, um, like, thinking you gotta, like, pull the door towards yourself instead of pushing outward. And Chessie is watching all of this thing, and something's off. I mean, I'm sorry, eight weeks go by, and you wouldn't forget how to open a door that you've lived in for 11 years, uh, in a house that you've lived in in 11 years. So I'm sure she's like, something is just not right. What's, what's up with this kid? But she must know about the twin thing, too. She must know about the twin thing. She's probably been there since Hallie was born. Nick probably took... I, I just... I don't get it. We'll get... I'm sure we'll get more information 
about that whole thing. Like, what, they each got to pick a name and they each took the twin that they named or something? Because when Annie as Hallie leaves, you see this look on Chessie's face, and I think she's putting two and two together because she clearly knows about the other twin. Like, some, like, what? I mean, the odds of them meeting are just really far-fetched, you know, at this one camp, but... Because what else would explain why she would forget how to open a door a certain way after doing the, that for, like, ten years? Yeah. And the dog is going crazy, barking at this child that he's known since she was probably, like, five years old. So, mm, yeah. So, of course, Nick has her come there because he wants to talk about Meredith Annie is Hallie, wants to talk about her mother. It's like, you can't expect me to keep buying this. This door dropped me off on your doorstep story. Because I'm almost 12, almost a teenager, and I need a mother. And of course, Nick's like, yeah, that's why I wanted to talk to you. So as he opens the door out of the storage facility where all that wine is, Meredith pops up with her assistant in a golf cart. She says, hey, why don't we all go have lunch? Nick says, well, I promised Hallie I would take her, you know, we'd spend the afternoon together. And of course, like, oh, well, I have loads to do anyway. So Meredith gets back in her golf cart with her assistant. And this is the tropiest trope that ever troped. The soon-to-be stepmother telling someone, I'm going to ship that kid off to Timbuktu. What was, oh my, it takes two. Didn't she say something about wanting to send Alyssa to a boarding school in Tibet? Or even in Problem Child 2, where Wanda wanted to uh, send Junior off to Baghdad. What? That is so stupid. Like, I, I I can't believe that these supposed soon-to-be step-parents, and it's always the stepmother. it never seems to be the stepfather that always feel that they have this control over their spouse in order to make them get the final say in sending the kid off to some boarding school. Do you know how much that shit costs? And not to mention... You wouldn't have the final say. The actual parent would have the say. My gosh. I just want to slap this bitch's face. Can I Can I do the world a favor and slap this bitch's face? But all the... Okay, okay. Now, if I had to say... Um, Meredith versus... Clarice. Who was worse? Who Honestly, who was more annoying? Clarice, a hundred percent. Meredith, eh, mm-mm. Of course, the assistant's like, "Ooh, ice lemon," and <laughs> uh, Meredith's like, "Proud of it, babe." Like, go fly a fucking kite, Meredith. I hate your ass. I hate your ass, <laughs> and the rest of you too. <laughs> so. Annie is Hallie, and I'm surprised, like, the horse isn't freaking out because it's a different kid out. I mean, looks the same, probably smells the same kid, but the different, well, the DNA is still pretty similar. But any, anyway, anyway, I mean, the, the dog is different from the horse in reacting to 
Annie as hell. Anyway, so girls, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that's being left out here. As far as you could have told Annie, your favorite food is chili. Could have told her, hey, by the way, before school starts, my dad and I, we always go on this camping trip every year. Because when he brings that up, Annie is Hallie's like, camping trip? What camping trip? And he's like, what camping trip? We go on it every year before school starts. Like, dang it, Hallie. Girls, you should have spent more time together getting this stuff down pat. Seamless. I get it. They're 11, but please. Your plan's starting to fall apart at the seams. I'm sorry, but it is. So he wants her opinion on what she thinks of Meredith. Like, oh, yeah, she's good. Not good hair, nice teeth, whatever. And, you know, because you're like, what do you think of her? Like, what do I, how do I, what? What do you mean, what do I think of her? And she even asked, like, why do you want my opinion so bad? What is, why is that so important? Like, what do you, what am I supposed to, like, like, how you see her as a friend, a publicist, or... It's like, yeah, what? I And the reason he wants her opinion is because he wants to marry Meredith, clearly. Because that's the only reason, like, a parent is going to want a kid's input is, and I'm thinking of proposing, what do you think about that? Why the hell even really bother to ask? Because you know it's not going to be up to the kid to get the final say in the matter anyway. But then again, if you don't, then the kid's like, you should have asked, or you could have asked how I felt about this. So maybe he's just saving a, that kind of a blow up. So Annie is Hallie's like, hey, Dad, I'll race you back to the house. And of course, she takes off that poor horse. So you already raced a, that poor horse. Give him a minute. You know, it's not like the horse can just be recharged with batteries or you put gasoline in it. It's got to rest. But she takes off, that's like the the trope for a kid, like when they don't want to hear something, they just take off running and run away from <laughs> hearing what they don't want to hear. Apparently Nick's horse freaked out, like, oh, I don't want to race. No more racing for me. My racing days are doomed. So now she's just running through the vineyard, minus Sprout the horse. You know, when Hallie gets a Annie gets a junior high, or I'm not sure what it's called over to sec primary school, secondary school, I'm not sure. Um, but maybe she should try out for the, do they have track? I'm not sure. But anyway, because she's a fast runner. But then again, aren't most kids fast when they run? Was I fast when I ran as a kid? I can't, I might have been. So Annie is Hallie's running into the house. And it's just like, ugh. not to mention it's still summer. It's California. I don't know. Is Napa in the northern part of California? I'm sure I could look at a map or something, but, uh, and it's funny. Yeah, whether she's still donning that cowboy hat and that flannel long sleeve shirt. And of course, she drops the accent and she's just like, I can't handle this. I can't wrap my head. She's pacing the living room floor. Just, this is just too much for her to handle. She just met her dad less than 24 hours ago. And it's all this informa information dump just on her and pressure even to... Basically, she's answering as Hallie and not herself because her dad doesn't know that it's really Annie. That's a lot for an 11-year-old, almost 12-year-old to handle. That is a lot in less than 24 hours. 
So like I said, she just met her dad, and then she met Meredith, and now he's asking, what do you think of Meredith? I'm thinking, he doesn't mention he's thinking of proposing, but clearly you know which way the wind is blowing. But that is a lot. That is, that is too, too much. I mean, her head was just, can't handle all that info dump. Has she been busted? Because while she's pacing and she dropped her accent, guess who's in the chair? Jesse. She's like, you got something you want to share with the rest of the class, kid? <laughs> like, crap. She must have fixed. She must have had a hunch. Like, something's off about Hallie. And Annie is healthy. Jesse, you gave me a fright. And Chessie's like, I gave you a fright? And Chessie's trying to figure, like, are you sure there's nothing? She's, like, really looking at Annie and Tally. Like, are you sure there's nothing you want to talk about? Like, oh, I don't know why Sammy doesn't want to go near you anymore. Or, oh, I'd be like, I'm sure she's going to mention, like, uh, the, the English accent you all of a sudden put on. And she even mentions, like, why your appetite has changed, or why you're as neat as pin, or using words like, gave me a fright. Uh-huh. And Chessie almost kind of drops the ball there, like, well, it seems like you could almost be, like, it's, you know, impossible. And Annie's Haley kind of grabs that and runs with it, like, almost like I'm who, Chessie. It's like, come on, Chessie, you know you want to say it, just say it. And Chessie's like, like, no, 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 just, just forget it. Forget I said anything. And Annie is Hallie's like, oh, almost as if I were Annie. And Chessie freezes in her tracks. And Chessie turns and faces Annie as Hallie. And she's like, you know about Annie? And Annie's like, I am Annie. And it's like, oh. Nick, of course, comes in and is like, Hal, why did you take off on me like that? I told you I wanted to talk to you about something. And he's got a hand on her shoulder. And he just looks at Chessie's expression, which is pure shock and surprise. Like, what? Why are you looking at Hallie like that? And Chessie starts to tear up. And Chessie just plays it off like, oh, I'm not looking at her any special way. I mean, I'm just looking at her like I've looked at her for 11 years when she, the day she came up, since she came home from the hospital, weighing six pounds and 11 ounces and 21 inches long. Is that right? That's not normal. I mean, for twins, right? Six pounds. Usually I think sometimes twins might be a smidge underweight. Is that kind of common? I don't know. I'm not a twin. I, I've never given birth to twins. I don't know. Shit, Jessie just loses it and starts bawling. Like, this is how we look at her. Like, oh my goodness. Jessie, keep it together. You want to blow my cover, girl? She's even like, can I hug her? And Nick's just like, what? You don't need my permission to hug my daughter. Go for it. Go, Jessie, what's with you? She's like, oh, you're so beautiful. You're so big. And it's like, what in the... It's like, and then she's like, she tries to like, um, you know, calm herself down, like, <clears throat> compose herself. Like, you know, I'm going to make some, some, something special. What do, what do you want? Anything you like. Anything you like. It's like, uh, what does Annie like? What's her favorite food? Do we know? I don't think we've learned. 
we've learned that Hallie's is chilly, which sadly Hallie couldn't give that information to Annie. That seems kind of important. Like my likes, my dislikes, my turnoffs, the things I absolutely horribly hate, the things I can't live without. Come on. You didn't just have to verse you on the family tree and the diagram of a house there were and the handshake. There were other things. You can't just get away with donning an accent and looking, because you already got the look down. You got the haircut and the ears pierced. But there are other things that are going to go notice, like your day-to-day -day behavior. But Chessie's like, you know, I'm just going to whip up everything we have. Oh, that'll be interesting. So Nick takes... Annie is Hallie over to the couch. He sits on the coffee table, so he's facing her. Like, hell, I want to know what you think about making Meredith part of the family. I'm like, hell to the no way in hell. No. Just no. Oh, she's like, oh, yeah, totally. I think this is great. It's incredible. It's a dream come true. You know, I mean, part of our family. I mean, I've always wanted a big sister. <laughs> She knows that, like, yeah, that's not what your dad meant. And he's like, uh, no, honey, I think you're missing the point. And she's like, no, I'm not. You're going to adopt Meredith. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's only 15 years older than her. He's like, no, I'm not going to adopt her. I'm going to marry her. I'd be like, why? You've known her how long? Eight, eight weeks. You've known this person eight weeks. And you're ready to settle down, commit forever, till death do you part. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, let's talk about your little rendezvous in the cruise ship 11 years ago that you got married on a cruise ship. And nine months later, your wife gave birth to twins. You each took a twin. And you went your separate ways. Yeah. That's the marriage I want to speak about. Let's let's talk about that marriage first before you hop into a, a, another one. What the hell does he really even know? What, she's his publicist? Oh, she's the publicist for the brand of the uh, Parker Noel Chardonnay or whatever the heck type of wine. He probably does a bunch of different ones. So... Annie as Hallie loses it. She starts going, dipping in and out of her English, um, American accent to her English accent to speaking French, apparently. Okay? And he's like, whoa, 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 calm down. When did you learn to speak French? It's like, I had a lot of time in my hands at camp. You know, eight, I was away for eight weeks. I picked up quite a lot. So, luckily... Annie as Hallie calms herself down, like, let's discuss this, talk about it calmly and rationally, and then she pretty much throws a temper tantrum and says, you can't do this, you can't marry her, because it'll ruin absolutely everything, and she, again, takes off running out the door, and Nick just kind of shakes his head, like, then he looks over, sees that Chessie is watching, like, hey, don't look at me, I don't know anything at all. She shuts these two double doors, <laughs> probably to the kitchen. And who shows up but Meredith? Ugh. And of course, like a red Corvette, or Porsche, or whatever you want to call those vehicles. Two-door 
red vehicles. So he gonna waves to Meredith and he sits down on the terrace and the chair's like, Oh he thought she thought I was going to adopt her and Meredith comes up behind him. Ugh. Is this where she like unbuttons a couple buttons on his shirt is like putting your hands down his shirt and he's like, Oh my god, you gotta show some chest Ugh so Disney definitely does not shy away from the fact that she is on his lap and, like, her tongue is down his throat. Like, oh, baby, you look stressed. Like, ugh, gross. Probably like, no, it's not the time I'm having a conflict with my daughter. So she's like, hey, how about a martini? And he's like, how about a double? She pulls out this bell out of this little red box and she rings it for Chessie. Why does this make me think of when Clarice was doing this to Vincenzo? Like, can I get a Diet Coke, please? Like, ugh. I love my Diet Coke, by the way. But, ugh. Nick kind of looks at her like, are you serious? She's like, see, it's just what we need. This is such a big house. Don't you love this? Like, no, I don't. Put the damn bell away, bitch. Chessie is not a maid. So, Chessie comes out under the terrace and like, you rang. And Meredith is like, oh, can you get us two martinis and make us a double? And the look that Chessie gives Nick is like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you fucking serious? He's like, please, Chessie, I have a migraine. Like, <laughs> I'll give you a migraine. <laughs> so she's like, oh, did you tell her? And he's like, yeah, I did. Well, how'd she take it? Well, she went ballistic. Of course she did. It's like, she started yelling in French. So, she gets off his lap, goes over, starts rubbing her hands down his chest from behind. It's like, oh, it's classic. Daddy's getting remarried 101. Because how many stepmothers will she tell Hallie that she's been through? A shit ton. And you're doing the same bullshit to Hallie? Really? After how many stepmothers did you run off? Ugh. She can't keep her lips off of his face. It's like, I'll go talk to her woman to woman. And Nick's like, I wouldn't. She's a little sensitive about you right now. Like, you're the last person she wants to fucking see. Nothing you can say is going to help this kid. So Meredith says, look, we, she and I have to break the ice somehow. This is going to be the way to do that. Then she unbuttons a couple of his buttons on his shirt and is like, oh, show a little chest hair from now on. I like to see that. Like, ugh. And the way that he looks at her like, okay, you know, you're telling me how to dress now? And she walks away and he's like looking at his chest hair like, I don't get it. What's so important about the chest hair? So... Hallie's hanging out on this wooden uh, bench swing when Meredith comes up. Like, oh boy. So, Meredith Meredith sits across from Annie's Hallie. And says, I guess the engagement came as a total shock, huh? And Annie's like, "Uh, basically, yeah. And she's like, oh, well, I remember what it was like to be 11. I had my first bow at 11. Bow? What is this, Little House on the Prairie? No one says bow anymore, referring to a boyfriend. And she's like, it's a wonderful age. She's like, it's a wonderful age. You're about to become a woman. 
soon you'll know what it's like to be in love. I'm like, she's 11. She will not know what it's like to be in love at 11. What in the hell? Bitch, you're not a related kid. Shut up. And Annie Italy is just like, oh, I don't think I'm ready for love yet. I haven't even got my 12-year-old molars yet. And Meredith's like, hey, take them from someone who got their molars early. What is molars, like, a euphemism for? Is like when she shoved her tongue down someone's throat, when she gave someone a hand job. What? I'm starting to call Meredith Sonny, but ugh, she's just a real piece of work, isn't a piece of garbage human being. There is nothing redeemable about this lady to save her life. I'm sorry, there's just nothing. Meredith is just going on about the mystery of love that takes a man and a woman, and Annie as Hallie cuts her off. Like, you know, I don't need to mean to be jerky, but uh, I don't need to hear about this mushy stuff and you and my dad, alright? I thought she was, like, getting, Meredith was gonna go even further with the, like, the sex talk. Like, she doesn't need to hear that shit from you! And Annie as Hallie's like, look, I see the mystery that my dad sees in you, and Meredith's like, oh, really? Like, yeah, you're uh, beautiful and young and sexy. And hey, my dad's only human. <laughs> As in, he's only using you because... Usually, in an, if this weren't a kid's movie, she's like, hey, you're probably just a piece of ass to him. So, <laughs> it's not like uh, he's got actual feelings for you or anything. He just likes the idea that he, he can hit it with a 26-year-old. Makes him feel young. Oh, Annie as Haley hits it on the head here. She's like, well, if you ask me, marriage is based on more than just sex, right? I mean, I really, you really think this marriage is gonna last? I mean, come on. Clearly once, uh, yeah, she's in it for the money. I mean, come on. And Meredith just kind of leans back, like, you know, boy, your your father really underestimates you. And I love how Annie as Halle folds her, you know, her arms, like, yeah, but you don't, do you, Meredith? I'm like, bitch, I'll play your game. So Meredith is like, look, being young and beautiful is not a crime, you know. And I adore your father for the 411, and he is exactly the man I planned on marrying. Like, well, good luck for that. Yes, Meredith, I'm sure you adore him in every single inch of his manhood. I'm sorry, I'm making this so bad, am I? I'm sorry, guys. I just I hate this lady. I hate her. I hate her so much. Yeah, Meredith's even telling her, like, hey, there's nothing you can do. You can't come between your father and I. You're not the only girl in your father's life anymore. And Meredith pretty much tells Hallie, you know, Annie is Hallie, to get over it. Like, that you're not the only girl in Nick Parker's life. And Annie is Hallie comes back with, well, if you really are into marrying him and you're not marrying him for his money, then I have nothing to worry Like. Yeah, I got nothing to worry about. Like, eh, yeah, it's about the money. Did she just call Hallie puss? Wait, let's, look here, bitch. Because she's like, listen and listen good. Bitch, I will slap you across your fucking face and knock your teeth out if you ever call me puss again. She says, I am marrying your father in two weeks, whether you like it or not. Like, <laughs> oh, really? 
Like, hey, that shit didn't work for Clarice, and it takes two, and it ain't gonna work for you, Meredith. I mean, Clarice even got all the way down the aisle in the wedding dress and said some of the vows. You ain't even gonna get that far. Spoiler alert! Meredith is straight up threatening Hallie. I'm like, oh! He's <laughs> telling her, stay out of my way. Whether you like this or not, it's happening. Also, that she's in way over her head. Like, you think that that man is going to choose you over his daughter. You have got another thing coming, honey. You've got another thing coming. You go find yourself some rich old man. But it ain't going to be Nick Parker. So, alright. Looks like they're, they got a fax machine in London. And we see a... Looks like a Sharpie drawn dog picture with a. Oh, I guess that dog. That Sharpie drawn dog is supposed to be Sammy and it says 911 on there. And we go into the kitchen where Hallie is Annie and her mother and grandfather are all having dinner. Okay, here's a little slip up here with Hallie as Annie because her mother is drinking wine. And she's like, oh, can I have a sip? And she's like, I don't think you're going to like it. But she hands the glass over anyway. And at first I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Because, you know, Hallie grew up in a vineyard. So she knows she's probably had a small little itty bitty taste of wine. But she knows, like, you're swirling it. You smell it for the the scent and everything, or however, you know, I don't go to wine tasting, so I don't know, but she, she's clearly versed in this, and the way that her mother is just looking at her, like, this is Hallie's slip-up, because Annie would not know about her father and the vineyard and all of that stuff, and of course, she goes a sound, where it's clearly, like, someone who's had it, bef you know, wine before, and she's, like, trying to, you know, with the flavor and everything, she's like, it's a little robust to be a Merlot. And it's like, oh, kid, you guys are starting to slip up. And, I mean, they can't be 100% perfect every single day. Their true selves are going to come out in these little tidbits here. Oh, she said the bouquet is a little robust for a Merlot. Oh! Goal. She goes fully. Ugh. She's like, but I'm more. Then again, I'm a partial to the softer California grape. And I'm like, oh, girl. If you were born and raised in, or uh, raised in London, you would not know California grape if it bit you on the butt. But apparently, her mother laughs it off, and her grandfather's like, oh, she must have learned about wine at summer camp. <laughs> yeah, they, she learned all this stuff at summer camp. Any odd, peculiar behaviors that come out of your daughter clearly were learned at summer camp. So she sees the paper that Martin took off the fax machine with the dog and the 911 drawing. And she's leaning so far to the side, she falls out of her chair and she chucks it up to, like, oh, I had a one sip too many. I must have been a little woozy, which apparently woozy isn't something they say in England, according to the grandfather. Like, woozy, huh? Like, because she's like, oh, I'll, can I get some air? And, her, you know, her mother's like, oh, do you want me to go with you? Like, no, 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 I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> so my guess is she's going to go find a red phone booth somewhere to call Hallie. To call Annie. I'm sorry, my God. 
<laughs> Even I'm confusing them. Okay, I gotta ask. Because she goes to a phone booth and calls Colette. Of course she calls Colette from a phone booth. Who's paying for the call, by the way? If you're calling from a payphone, who's paying for that? The government? The phone company? I don't know. So Annie drops the bomb that dad's getting married in two weeks. Like, ugh. Like, if we have any hope of getting mom and dad back together, we need to act on it fast. So, Hallie's like, alright, look, I'll drop the bomb on mom, we're going to the theater. No, I can drop it in conversation and see what her reaction is and what she says. My guess is, when she says that, she her mom is not really going to care. Oh, I think we got someone who just found out. Because... Hallie comes out of the booth, bumps into somebody who's standing there, and you just thought it was a stranger. Nope. And she's like, oh, sorry, sir. Of course, the accent's gone. Like, oh, yeah. I wonder if he kind of thought, like, if he had an inkling. Oh, he has, she's like, uh-oh. And he's like, ah, uh-oh, yes. Why don't you and I take a stroll in the park, young lady? You can tell me this a long story. Hallie is Annie is right outside her mother's bedroom and she's really trying to get up the courage to go in there I'm guessing and what tell her mother the truth about that she's not really Annie and her grandfather comes up right behind her and just alright just just do it and he kind of like pushes her towards the door and Hallie is like taking a deep breath like alright so or never and her mother is speaking French on the phone probably to a designer or to somebody possibly interested in buying a wedding. I don't speak French, so I have no idea what she's saying. I really don't. So she climbs into bed with her mom, and her mom says, Look, I gotta finish the sketch, have it FedEx to Paris, and then you and I can spend the day getting lost in Herod's. Which, I'm not sure what that is. Okay, it's a department store. I thought it was something like that, so, alright. And she says, I can't, Mom. I have to go out of town. And she's like, oh, really? Why do you have to go out of town? And that's when Hallie, as Annie, crawls underneath the covers. And her mother is kind of, like, trying to feel, <laughs> like, where's my, where'd you go? And she's like, Annie? Annie? And Annie is like, no, I have to go see Annie. I have to go to... Napa, because that's where Annie is, with her father, Nick Parker. And right away you see the uh, grandfather, the grandfather has, has come in, and you just see the serious look on her mother's face, like, oh. Because right away when Hallie says, I have to see Annie, American accent, well, it's not accent, it's her normal voice is coming back. Like, she drops the English accent. That would have been the first... Um, I think that would have been the first clue right there. And she looks at her father, almost like, do you know about this? And he, he, he nods, like, yes, yes, I did. Like, it's amazing what your eyes say when you don't say anything, you just rely on expression. Like, the eyes alone can speak volumes. So, she pulls back the cover on who she thinks is Annie, like, you're not Annie? And Hallie's like, that would be correct. 
And she's like, you're Hallie? He's like, yeah. You see her mother is starting to get a little emotional. So like, and it's just, I feel so bad that they've gone their whole 11 years not knowing their other child, not having any contact with it. It's just, it's so sad. I can imagine them saying, well, how could you just choose one child over the other? Like, didn't you care how I turned out? I think the girls would have, I mean, now knowing this, they'd have some form of abandonment issues in regards to their other parent not taking an interest in them. Whether we delve into that, I'm not sure. We might. We might. Or maybe they'll brush it off and it'll get summed up in like a sentence or a scene. So Hallie explains that she and Annie met at camp. They decided to switch places. And Hallie says, I've dreamt of meeting you my whole life. Yeah, she says, I've never seen you and I just dreamt of meeting you my whole life. That is just so sweet and so sad. And she says, Annie felt the same way about Dad, so we switched places. Oh, she says we sort of switched lives. So Hallie says, I just, I love you so much, and I hope that one day you can love me as me and not just as Annie. And she takes Hallie in her arms and she says, oh, darling, I have loved you my whole life. And she, oh, and even Grandfather and Martin are, Martin is just tears streaming down his face. And it's just like, oh, my heart, my heart. So Hallie's like, I guess you have to switch us back, huh? And her mother says, well, technically, you belong to your dad and Annie belongs to me. So they basically gave up the rights of the other twin. (sighs) That's sad. And Hallie's like, his and hers kids. No offense, Mom, but that arrangement kind of sucks. So Hallie's suggestion is they fly to Napa, they see Dad and Annie, and they work this whole thing out. But I think it's a bit more complicated than that. But her mother agrees with her and says, don't worry, we'll figure everything out and I'll take care of everything so she comes out of her closet wearing black sunglasses she's got a couple uh, hair rollers in her the, on the top of her head she's saying that she and Nick well she says like if he didn't drive me so nuts I would have stayed married to him and we came up with this arrangement so we wouldn't have to see each other do you know how hurtful that sounds do do you really what damage you probably done to your kids by them not knowing their other parent and knowing that you now that they know that you're alive and everything that you chose one over the other? And you did this just so you wouldn't have to see your ex? What in the what? That is not I get it she lives in and I was just thinking about that early, like a day or so ago about how the fact that more than likely she lives in London, he lives well in Napa now. And it's just like one isn't going to move to the other place just to make the other person happy. Then why did you get married? Because they were on a romantic cruise and they were in the moment and they're like, let's get married. One of those things. She's even smoking a cigarette. (laughs) My God. She looks like she's going on a bender. So Haley, of course, is right outside the door. 
And she's just kind of giggling a little bit at the fact that how nervous her mother is and seeing, you know, Nick after all these years and saying how Hallie said that he was a hunk and everything. It's like, well, you were attracted enough to marry him and to have sex with him and have his kids. So <laughs> I don't think he's gotten worse with age. Don't think that's how that works. I mean, it's not like he's let himself go or anything. Oh. Elizabeth calls Nick rather dishy in how he would make her go weak in the knees. Well, oh, Hallie comes in like, hey, mom, I'm ready to go. And then Elizabeth's like, yeah, you know what, so am I. And Hallie's like, mom, your suitcase is like practically empty. And Elizabeth says, well, have you spoken to your father about this? And Hallie's like, yeah, I just, you know, got off the phone with him. He's really excited to see you. Like, Big time excited to see you. He's also anxious to see you, too. So, Elizabeth has Hallie go get the tickets from Grandfather. She turns to Martin and kind of asks, like, Hey, you know, I've always thought of you as a brother. You know, part of the family and everything. And I I know this is kind of childish of me to ask this, but do you think you could maybe, and he's, like, accompanying you on the trip? She's like, yes, please, thank you. That would mean the world to me. So, she's like, you know, you can come not as our butler, but as our friend. He's like, all right, well, as your friend, and if, may I say, if it were me seeing my ex after 11 years, I'd wear this. And he brings out this beautiful silk black dress. Very beautiful. I mean, I, I'm not into dresses, but, I mean, if I were, I would I would wear it. It's pretty. It's very nice. <laughs> Martin, what is with the leather? Get up! He's got the leather jacket, the glasses, the boots, the um, the studded belt. I'm getting some Cadbury Richie Rich vibes from this. I don't know if you guys have seen 1994's Richie Rich with Macaulay Culkin. There's a scene where he, he he's the butler and he's also a friend of Richie, and he dresses up like this for a different reason, of course, but. All right, they're going to meet up in San Fran at a hotel. (coughs) I wonder, I'm kind of curious now how Annie as Hallie had kind of pulled this off to get her dad to go to this hotel, because we'll probably figure that out soon. We see the Golden Gate Bridge, and we are there at the hotel now. So we see Meredith with her mother, who I get, it's been a bit since I watched the original. Like, I caught some of it last year um, when we were coming back from uh, Texas on the trip. It was playing on the TV. And, um, but I I wouldn't mind covering that one at one point for the podcast. I'd like to do a little compare and contrast. I think it would be fun. She's like, Daddy, he is everything you wanted for your little girl. And millions more. Of course, we see Nick with Annie as Hallie. We see Chessie. We see Sammy. Why did they bring Sammy? Why did they bring the dog? I mean, I'm, I don't have a problem with people bringing their dogs to hotels for within a reasonable reason and all that. But more than likely, it's... Like, Hallie couldn't go with him. But then again, I mean, unless she's won his trust over. I don't know. I don't know. So she goes over to them, kisses Nick, and says, Sammy, what in the world are you doing here? And Nick's like, well, Hallie begged me to bring him. And she's like, really? A dog? It's like the Stratford Hotel? 
I guess they bring dogs. They take dogs. They must. I don't see the dog having to wait in the car or anything. So, of course, Meredith reaches down to pet Sammy and he, like, lunges at her, snapping his teeth. And I love how Chessie's like, good doggy. So, okay, Meredith, these are your folks, huh? That's great. <laughs> of course, Meredith introduces him as Nicholas Parker, her fiancé and love of her life. So, yes, clearly, I'm just going to say this is the same universe where Vicky from the first parent trip, this is she, and she tells Hallie, oh, Annie is Hallie, to call her Aunt Vicky. She calls her pet. And I'm like, well, at least you didn't ask you to call her grandma. <laughs> awkward. It's just awkward altogether. And, of course, we do learn that this whole setup thing was Hallie's idea to begin with, so. So, Limo pulls up to the front of the hotel. Martin gets out in his leather jacket. He goes to open the door for Elizabeth, and she, like, ex he goes to take her hand, but she extends a foot. She's clearly been drinking. She's drunk. How in the holy hell did she get on that plane intoxicated? I will never know. This is 1998. Maybe they allowed you to do that, but I have no idea. I mean, I get it, Elizabeth, you're nervous. You really should have paced yourself. <laughs> you should have paced yourself. She's probably already three sheets to the wind at this point. Oh, yeah, as he helps her out. She does not have shoes on. Elizabeth doesn't. And she's finishing off one of those trial-size airport or airplane bottles of liquor that they give you. So she, I, I get it, she's nervous about seeing her ex 11 years later and all that, but <laughs> uh, she pretty much has been sucking down a bottle of vodka. She's like, oh, that trip, it was just so fast. And can you believe, I've never had vodka before. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> this is going to be a disaster. Even Hallie's like, oh my god, this is not going to go as planned if she's wasted. <laughs> so we're kind of jumping back and forth here with Nick Meredith and Annie as Haley. And they're talking about, <laughs> Meredith of course is talking about what having the wedding at home in the backyard in the vineyard or something like that. And then saying, hey, we'll meet you, uh, you know, her parents for lunch around 10 and she's like, hey, Nick, why don't we check out the honeymoon suite? And it's like, Ugh. And then, of course, we jump to Elizabeth, Hallie, and Martin getting into an elevator. Of course, before we uh, get to that, of course, Sammy is just sniffing away at the floor. I think he might be sniffing out Hallie. Because he yanks on that leash, pulling... Annie and Chessie out of the scene. Elizabeth, of course, is like, oh, forgot my bag, because they're in the elevator. And then she goes off to find her bag. And then, of course, here we have Annie and Chessie with Sammy, who leads them right to the elevator. It's like, of course he does, because he smells Hallie. And Hallie recognizes him right she gets off the elevator. Like, Sammy and... Sammy breaks loose of Annie's grasp on his leash. And is like, <gasps> So Hammy, Sam, Hammy, <laughs> Sammy jumps over this luggage rack thing, car, luggage cart, 
and jumps right into the elevator with Hallie. Aww. And of course, as soon as Elizabeth turns around as she asks about her bag, the elevator door closes with Sammy and Hallie inside. I'd be like, that elevator is not going to wait for you. <laughs> so, of course, Elizabeth thinks she's talking to Hallie when she's actually talking to Annie. It's like, oh, darling, you didn't have to wait for me. I could have found the room by myself. And Annie, of course, was just putting a hand in front of her. Like, oh, oh, your breath. What is that, 80 proof? Oh. Even Jesse's like, damn, girl. <laughs> so, yeah, Elizabeth, yeah, she is drunk. <laughs> and she's just, like, walking around, trying to keep her balance. Almost walks into a... A hotel employee that's got a giant plant in his arms. And Annie turns to Jesse like, she's drunk. She's never had more than a glass of wine in her entire life. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. She she is three sheets to the wind. She's loaded. Of course, they, Jesse and Annie jump into an elevator just as Nick and Meredith are walking past. Like, oh, my goodness. As Meredith is... Talking about why they make do not disturb signs. Yes, I know you're going to get your freak on. I know. So the elevator, they hop into an elevator. And of course, Meredith is already up on Nick. You know, kissing his neck. He's grabbing her ass. And just before the elevator door closes, who does he see? Elizabeth. And the look of shock on his face. Like, what? It's like he hasn't seen her in like 11 years. And she's still hot looking. Like, really, was there ever any doubt? I mean, come on. Granted, Elizabeth is drunk, so it doesn't really face her that Nick is with someone else. They're not married anymore, so, yeah. So Elizabeth is walking. She, up, you know, she's on the, net, the second floor heading to the room. And she says Annie Parker out pops the girls and <laughs> oh, and there's both of them and she's like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm already seeing double already it's like no mom it's me and Hallie pops out too and it's like oh my girls how could you do this to me and of course that's when Chessie pops her head out side the door too because she's like, hey, we need to continue this little powwow, like, inside, not in the hallway. Because, you know, Nick doesn't know about any of this. Really, the four of them, and Martin, and Grandpa, are the only ones that know about the switch. I love how Jesse's like, oh, hi, you probably don't remember me. And Elizabeth's like, Jesse, and, like, hugs her and kisses her on the cheek. Like, okay, someone turns you into the wind. <laughs> So now Elizabeth is kind of grilling the two girls because the two girls are sitting in their seats as Elizabeth is pacing between them saying, now I don't know which one of you said this, but apparently I was under the impression that Nick Parker wanted to meet me here. Now the man I saw in the elevator looked like he didn't even know we were on the same planet. So yeah, she may have been a little, it looks like she's starting to slowly sober up now at this point. So she's kind of going on about the fact that Nick Parker looked completely ashen when he set sights on Elizabeth, even though it was in a, you know, through an elevator door. <laughs> and just saying how, you know, he had his arms wrapped around another woman, and he looked at her like she was the ghost of Christmas past. 
And she's just thinking about probably all the ways she's thought, like, if they were ever to reunite as far as see each other again in the last 11 years, that was not the scenario that she would have pictured in her mind. Martin comes in with a towel slung over his shoulder, and he's wearing a Speedo. I'm like, dude, there are children in the room. Get it? I get it. He probably didn't think there was going to be anyone in there as he came strolling around the corner. Now, did anyone else call this before the, when they saw for the first time a love connection between Chessie and Martin? This does sound a smidge on the trope side. The two housekeeper helpers falling for each other. <laughs> it's, it's cute. So, there's a little bit of, you know music playing romantical French music and Martin and Chessie are spouting some uh, Monsieur Madame to each other and of course Chessie's like I'm gonna go check out the mini bar Martin's like I'll assist you and before they can even get out the door Elizabeth's like does everyone here know something I don't and it turns out Annie says mom dad's getting remarried it's like uh, yeah, they are. I think they were in on that. Like, no. And Elizabeth just sings back on the couch, just so surprised. And the girls are like, she's like Cruella DeVille. She's so wrong for him. Meredith, uh, 100%, yes, 100% wrong. There's nothing good can come from this. Nothing. So they kind of figure, like, the only way... Their dad won't marry Meredith as if he sees Elizabeth again. Uh, Really? Uh, It's going to take a little more than just seeing her. Does it re-spark that love connection again? So Elizabeth finally kind of catches on like, wait, you two aren't trying to set me up with your father, are you? It's like, actually, that's exactly what we're trying to do. You're perfect for each other. Like, you fell in love once, you should be able to do it again. It's like, it's been 11 years. They've clearly moved on from each other, but who knows? Maybe they'll find another romantic cruise to go on and fall in love again. So, Chessie and Martin are still trying to sneak out the door, and Elizabeth's like, wait, wait, wait. Did you two know about this? And they're like, oh, no, 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 of course not, no. Well, okay, we had an inkling. Yeah. I love how Chessie and Martin are like, oh, you know, I'm an old romantic. You know, I just, the story, just so, yeah. So, yeah. So, she pretty much tells the girls and Chessie and Martin that she is not here for Nick Parker. The only reason she's here is to get Annie back, like to switch the girls back. And just saying how Nick Parker looked very comfortable with his tight skirted, long legged, Barebacked fiance. I mean, yeah. So, Annie as Hallie comes out and Nick's out in the hallway and he's like, hey, can, Hal, can you go check in on Meredith? So, my guess is he's headed down to the lobby in hopes that he'll see Elizabeth again. Because you wouldn't be asking your daughter, how do I look, if you weren't like, hmm, do I look good? I mean, if you weren't hoping to catch your ex down there, that you clearly one look was all it took for him to get Gaga again. Yeah. Well, uh, real quick, going back to Elizabeth, how she says she and Nick Parker have nothing in common. 
you had enough in common to get married and create two beautiful babies. So, yeah, don't tell me you have nothing in common. You know, that's the thing they say about how opposites attract. I mean, and, like, like Jeremy and I, we don't have a lot. We have some things in common, but we don't, you know, we don't like the same taste of music. And, you know, our, our age gap and everything like that. And there are other things we don't have in common, but there are things we have in common. And the thing is, you make it work. That's just the more to learn about each other. I mean, if you had so much in common, there'd be no mystery to it. So, of course, in the lobby, he thinks he's seeing, he actually is seeing Hallie, but not Annie as Hallie. He's seeing Hallie Hallie. And he's like, I thought I told you to take care of Meredith. And, of course, she's like, you did, I mean, yes, I mean, I am. Okay. And she, like, wraps her arms around. Because how long has it been since the girls got back from camp? A month? I don't even know. But she wraps her arms around her dad's waist. Like, oh, I missed you, Dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just saw you, like, less than two minutes ago. <laughs> so, yeah, in fact, oh, nice outfit. Because Annie as Hallie was wearing something different than what um, Hallie was wearing. And, of course, she goes to, Hallie goes to the elevator and she's singing, Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I definitely want to cover the original Parent Trap because it's on Disney Plus too. This is also, of course, you know, it's on uh, th this Parent Trap. The Lindsay Lohan one is also available. That's how I'm watching it anyway. So, yeah, it's just it'll be fun to watch and compare and contrast. So she's trying to Hallie's trying to get the elevator. Who comes down but Meredith? I'm like, I'm supposed to be watching your hotel room. Apparently, Nick thinks that what. Meredith was going to just stay in the hotel room? I don't know. She looks like she is dressed to mingle or deuce. I don't know. So Meredith's like, oh, have you seen your father? And Hallie, who's never met Meredith, is like, oh, are you talking to me? And Meredith's like, who are you, Robert De Niro? Of course I'm talking to you. I was like, bitch, back the fuck up. So Hallie's like, oh, Meredith. Uh-huh. Like, now the gears are turning. Like, oh, um... Yeah, my dad went that way. It's like, lady, this kid, it's not going to happen. We all know this, that she's not going to be her stepmother, thank the Lord. But it's like, I'd be a bit nicer if you were going to be this kid's step-parent. Granted, I mean, Nick is nowhere to be found, otherwise she would be. So, Hallie's smiling at Meredith, and hmm, well, it's a tight-lipped smile. And Meredith's like, oh, what are you staring at? Don't tell me you're going to break your rotten streak and all of a sudden be nice to me. Like, no, bitch. So Meredith's like, well, if you see your father, tell him he's late and I'm waiting. And Haley is like, what are you saying, Carolella? It's like, ugh. That doesn't make any dang sense. He's late. Really? I thought someone was supposed to be watching her in the hotel room. So Meredith sits down at the bar and, of course, the bartender is giving at first I thought it was a Bloody Mary but it looks too brown to be a Bloody Mary and she he's like hey this will clear whatever you got and he's actually talking to Elizabeth who literally looks like she's coming down from that uh, drunken drunken high she was on yeah like, oh yeah he's like don't ask what's in this place 
You don't want to know. <laughs> so interesting. We'll have Meredith and we'll have Elizabeth sitting there. Neither of them have ever met. They don't know who each other is. So Elizabeth thinking, like, here, here's a toast. Here's to, uh, oh, here's to you. And may your life be less complicated than mine currently is. So she toasts to the strange lady. Yes. Like, that sat down at the bar. So Meredith asks for a dry martini. And, of course, Elizabeth chugs this. Well, not all of it. But I don't even know. want to know what's in that. She's like, she belches. And Meredith just looks at her like, excuse me? It's like, uh, pardon me. I think I just drank tar. Well, let's hope it cures your hangover. So she signs her bill. Meredith looks at the name like you're Elizabeth James, because clearly, you know, being a wedding gown design. Oh, oh my gosh! She gonna ask Elizabeth to make a wedding gown for her? Hell no! <laughs> so Meredith is like all gushing, like, oh my gosh, I just saw a wedding gown you designed in Vogue, and then they tried to fax your office, and they said you were out of town. And she's like, I'm Meredith Blake. I'm like, oh boy. She ain't designing no wedding gown for you going to marry her ex. Are you nuts? I'm so, I, I gotta say this. That um, Elizabeth James is a bazillion times more beautiful than Meredith Blake could ever hope to be. I'm sorry, but I feel that is the very, very truth. So, Nick's out on, I'm guessing, the patio around the pool of the hotel because he's I, at first I, I thought that was Elizabeth too but no because he's like lo- he's literally looking for her almost like he thinks she was an apparition just that just disappeared into thin air so Nick is bombarded by Meredith's parents her mother's all like oh Nicholas I think this hotel is perfect for the wedding he's like yeah 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 me too uh huh and then he sees Elizabeth so, of course, Nick is not watching where he's going. He's walking around the pool area. And he's following Elizabeth with his eyes and his legs. And what happens, of course, when you're near a pool, you're not watching where you're going. You're basically going to go into the pool. And that's exactly what happens. <sighs> when will people learn? You don't do that. You watch where you're walking and watch where you're looking. When you're around a pool. Especially if there are those out there that cannot swim. Like myself. I mean, I can swim a little. But not enough that if I went into the eight foot deep end that I... I don't know. So yeah, Nick falls back into the pool because he's not paying attention. Uh, Elizabeth does notice him. And of course, she puts a hand to her mouth in surprise. She's wearing sunglasses. And even... Hallie's like, Dad, watch out! Or maybe it was Annie. I'm not sure. (laughs) I can't tell right now. So he, of course, is able to climb out of the pool without assistance. He is literally dripping, soaking wet. And he goes up to Elizabeth and he's like, Hello, Liz. And she's like, Hello, Nick. And they're all smiles. So Nick is like, Is there something going on here I should know? Because I'm stunned to see you, but you don't look stunned to see me. I mean, I haven't seen you in, like, what, 10, 11 years? So, actually, we think it's Hallie. Well, that's who Nick thinks it is. Like, Dad, I can't explain why she's here. And he's like, Hallie, you know who this is? And she's like, yeah. 
only I'm not Hallie. And immediately Annie drops the American accent, like, actually, I'm Annie. And Hallie is like, and I'm actually Hallie. <laughs> oh, boy. And Nick, of course, can't believe his eyes. He's like, Annie? Hallie? And Annie's like, I guess you and Mom think alike because you sent us both to the same camp. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because... Annie's mother, you know, sent her all clear across the pond to a, a camp in Maine? I can't remember. So, yeah, Annie kind of gives them the dirt, like, we met at camp, we, everything just spilled out, and Liz is like, and they switched places on us. So, Nick is just surprised, like, so I've had Annie this whole time? And Annie's like, well, I wanted to know what you were like, and Hallie wanted to know what mom was like, so, yeah. So, Annie's like, are you angry? And Nick's like, oh, honey, of course not. I'm just so happy to see you. And she hugs him. It's like, that's right. He's like, oh, what? Thank you. Like, oh, my gosh. The last time I saw you, you had diaper rash. And, of course, she's like, well, I'm quite grown up and I'm quite without a father. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yep. Let's, let's throw that. Let's, let's. Put that in there. <laughs> like, uh, I'm still without a father, you know. <laughs> and Hallie, of course, is like, you know, and I'm heading into my crazy, mixed-up teenage years, and I'll be growing up without a mother to fight with about it. My gosh, I mean, just wait till these girls hit their, uh, womanly time. Good golly. They're gonna need a mother for those things. I mean, I know there's Chessie and everything for Hallie, but it's not the same thing. And Nick's like, Hallie, you've been in London this whole time? And he's like, come here, squirt. Like, aww. This is just so sweet. I love this movie. It's so sweet. She goes to hug her dad and says, Dad, Mom's amazing. I don't know how you ever let her go. And I'm sure he's going to say something like, I don't know how I ever let her go either or something like that. So, Elizabeth tells the girls, like, hey, why don't you give your father and I a few minutes to talk alone? We'll see how this goes. <laughs> so, Annie's like, sure, fine. And Hallie's like, sure, take your time. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Nick is trying to dry himself off with a towel. He realizes he's got a cut on his eyebrow. Liz notices it, and she has him sit on one of the lounge chairs and ask for a first aid kit. And he's like, so how have things been, Lizzie? Or does everyone call you Elizabeth now? And she says, no, no, no. Oh, Lizzie's fine. So she says, well, my dad calls me Lizzie. And Nick is just, I swear it's like he wants to lean forward and kiss her. Because he's like, wow, you haven't changed a bit. And then who the hell shows up? Fucking Meredith. Like, oh. Really? Perfect timing. Not. She's like, oh, there you are. Like, go away. Go away. So, Meredith just sees Elizabeth as a wedding gown designer. Like, oh, she's going to make my uh, wedding dress. And and she's like, well, how did you two meet? And Nick's like, well, how did you two meet? Uh, you know, Meredith and Lizzie and everything. It's like... Ay, ay, ay. Well, they have a history. Let's just say that, Meredith. So Nick's like, this is a small world. And Meredith's like, how small? And Annie comes up, hey, Mare! And then 
Hallie comes up, how you doing? And of course, Meredith's reaction is to scream. And Nick's, Nick says, oh, did I ever mention Hallie was a twin? Like, uh, no, you didn't. Meredith's reaction is just, that's just Meredith. I mean, no one in their normal mind seeing a person as a twin would freak out like that. That's just... And Meredith is like, no, I think you left out that little detail. And Hallie's like, well, don't worry, because he forgot to mention that to me, too. Oh, by the way, I'm Hallie, and this is Annie. <laughs> so Hallie is pretty much carrying, uh, catching Meredith up, saying, yes, she was pretending to be me while I was in London pretending to be her, and this is our mother, Elizabeth James. <laughs> yes, the wedding gown designer. Meredith is trying to put all this together like, oh, this is your mother and you were married to him. It's like, yes, it is a small world and getting smaller. <sighs> Meredith, I'm so over her. Can we get rid of her now? We can't. <sighs> okay. I'll put up with her for a little bit longer. So the girls have a surprise for their parents. A little getaway the details are unknown, of course, until they arrive at this. It's not the Queen Elizabeth II, but it's a ship on the water. And, of course, Nick asks the question, I'm sure we're all asking ourselves, is how in the heck are you paying for this? She's like, oh, we pulled our allowances. Uh-huh. And Grandfather chipped in a bit. Actually chipped in a lot. So it's ours for the night. Aww. So it seems like Hallie and Annie think that all they need to do is put their parents on a ship. Remind them of how they met and fell in love. And it's just a simple love connection. Bing, bang, boom. They'll be back together again. It's not exactly that easy. So there's a nice table set for two people and of course Nick is like uh the table's only got two place settings and Hallie and Annie are like well we won't be joining you and they kind of look at the girls and surprise like oh you're not huh it's like yeah they they know like uh, what the girls are trying to do and of course here comes Chessie being the server and of course Martin supplying the champagne <laughs> yeah so Martin's hoping, like, hey, hopefully you get schnockered and not fire us for following the orders of two 11-year-olds. <laughs> and of course, Chessie has Annie put on some mood music, which is I Love You for Sentimental Reasons by Linda Ronstadt. Like, okay, no one needs the, yeah, we, we all know what this, this is a romantic setup. Yep, yep, yep. So we see like one of those what are they called? Like a is it a life ring or something like that? And it says Queen Elizabeth II, 1986. Nick's like, oh they're recreating the night that we met. I'm like, I could have told you that when you first walked into the room and saw the table set up. So Liz and Nick both take some champagne. They toast. I'm guessing Nick was going to toast to something else, but Liz is like, let's toast to our daughters. And you see in the doors, the little round windows, the girls are looking through them. And of course, 
Nick and Liz are like, uh, do you mind? <laughs> I get it. The girls are just hoping and wishing for a spark of a rekindled flame between their parents. So Nick is like, you know, if we ever get to the chance to actually be like really alone, I would love to sit down with you and kind of talk about what happened between us. You know, it all just seems so hazy. You know, it all just ended so fast. Well, my guess is the reason it kind of, it was like a whirlwind romance in a way is they are from two separate sides of the world. They both have their own things going on. Neither one was going to move across the ocean for the other one, would be my guess. I mean, I kind of curi- I'm curious just how long were they, they married? Clearly, it had to have been at least nine months for the pregnancy with the twins and everything like that. So, I'm interested to hear about their backstory. So, even Martin and Chessie are looking through the windows and just seeing this, hopefully, a love connection rekindled flame. And they're going to serve some vicious something. I'm not sure. She said get a ladle. So, I'm guessing it's some type of a liquid soup something. And even Chessie and Martin are starting to get a little uh, spark on with this butler maidish housekeeper romance thing. Which is cute. It's cute. So they're kind of talking about how their dreams of, you know, what they wanted to do with their lives actually came true for them as far as Nick and his vineyard. Elizabeth and designing dresses. Nick's like, you're always like writing on like napkins and stuff like that. So, but of course, Elizabeth brings up the fact of the girls. What are we going to do about them now that they know about each other? Are we just going to go back to what the way things were? Like, I'll take Annie back to England, you'll take Hallie back to California, and we'll just continue on just as things were before the girls knew about each other. But of course, like, well, now that they know about each other, we can't keep them apart. And Elizabeth is like, well, what if I take them half the year and then you take them the other half? And Chessie's like, well, guys, they can't go to two different schools, you know, once a year. That's nuts. And Liz is like, well, I could keep them for a whole year. And then Nick's like, well, Liz, that's kind of why we made the arrangement that we originally did. Which I think really screwed the girls over in the long end because they're 11 years without knowing they're a twin. 11 years with thinking that their parents abandoned them. Because I'm trying to... Because guys, I've covered this movie over several days, weeks even. And I swear I don't think that they mentioned... Neither twin was told their parent is dead. They were told their their parents just... It didn't work out. The parent left. Because that would be a kick to the... I mean, seriously. Like, what you told her that I was dead? That would not... No, that... Mm, no, that's why they just said the parent... Marriage didn't work out, parent left. But even still, like, to have no contact for 11 years... That has got to be... Because it's a Disney movie, we're not going to go into abandonment issues for the children... 
they're just happy to be able to have spent time with the other parent to get to know them a little more. Granted, they have to do it under false pretenses. They're taking on another identity. But, yeah. So, Liz is like, I thought we came up with the arrangement because we never wanted to see each other again. And Nick's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, even Liz is like, it just seems like that part's a bit hazy. It's like, yeah, what exactly happened? Let's get to the meat of why you guys decided to part ways. So, we actually learn it wasn't a we decided to go our separate ways to never, you know, and take our our children in separate directions. Liz was the one that decided to pack, and I guess she threw a hairdryer at Nick. And Nick's like, look, we may never get another minute alone, so I just have to ask, like, why did you do that? So, basically, it just boils down to the fact that they were young, they both had tempers, they said things they didn't mean, and she just started packing. So she says, I got on my first 747, and you didn't come after me. And Nick is like, well, I didn't know that you wanted me to. And the thing is, if you're saying, like, hey, I never want to see you again, and you leave. I mean, do you think that other person's going to think, well, they definitely want me to go after them. They they aren't thinking clearly. They want me to be with them. I mean... Which I get Nick's understanding, and it's just, like I said, they most likely they met on this cruise ship. They're, you know, both from other parts of the world, and neither one was going to budge on you pick up your life and bring it to England, or you pick up your life and bring it to California, or wherever Nick was at the time, whether it was New York or whatever, but... That's the thing about living long distance and everything, and then you meet someone that you don't even live in the same state or the same country. And it's like, if it's meant to be, you're going to find a way to be together. That's just the bottom line. You do what you have to do for love. So Liz says, you know, it really doesn't matter anymore whether I wanted you to come after me or not. Look, let's just put a good face on for the girls. And get the show on the road, and then I will go back with Annie, and you can take Hallie back to California. So, while Elizabeth, Liz, I'm just calling her Liz, while she's checking out of the hotel, Nick is also doing the same thing. And she's like, he says, I will send Hallie to you over Christmas, and... Liz says, well, I'll send Annie to you over Easter. So in a way, it's not only they can spend time with their prospective daughters they haven't seen 11 years, but also the girls can spend time together as well. I mean, I think, honestly, if they had tried to do something like this when they the girls were, like, young, young, I think it would have been very, very confusing. I'm not saying what they did by not telling their daughters about their prospective twin, the fact that they grew up not even knowing they had a twin, I think that was very wrong. At some point in 11 years, there could have been a time to sit them down and talk to them, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I've never been in a situation like this before. I don't have a twin. 
As far as shared custody really goes, I mean, if you've listened to my other podcast, you'll mainly hear me mention how when I was seven, I went to go live with my aunt and uncle for a year. I'd see my dad on the weekends because he worked third shift, for third shift, and my mom was sent to an adult care facility where I would see her maybe... Well, at first I, seed her, I saw her on... <clears throat> Sundays when she stayed at my uh, grandparents' home house and then she moved to an adult care facility and then I would see her maybe maybe once a month on her good days. So, yeah. But then, of course, when I went into third grade, I, my dad was able to get on another shift so I was able to go home permanently. So, so the girls come down. Liz was like, Annie, what are you doing in those clothes? We've got a plane to catch. What's wrong with her clothes? It's just a regular... It's not like she's coming down in a bathing suit. But the girls decide that they've talked it over, Hallie and she, and they feel they're being gypped. And Annie brings up the fact about the camping trip, you know, that she wants to go. Like, they both want to go together. It's like, well... I don't see why they couldn't do that, you know, and just send Annie home later. That doesn't sound like a terrible thing. Plus, it would give, you know, Nick time to spend with Annie as herself and not as uh, Haley impersonator. It would get time for the girls to spend time together as sisters. I can't believe Nick has the gall to say, what camping trip? I'm thinking, dude! You go on it every year. You mentioned it to Annie slash Hallie. So, come on now. And of course, they're saying, well, how can you tell if this is the real Annie or I'm the real Annie? And next like, girls, come on, this is ridiculous. Your mom's going to miss her plane. The fact that the girls are, they're identical twins, so how in the world? There's got to be a distinctive something about one of the twins that sets them apart from the other one. There's gotta be. So Nick kind of bends down and he really looks at both girls, like really studying them. And he's like, this one, this one is Hallie. And Hallie's like, are you sure, Dad? Because you don't want to send the wrong kid back to England. Like, there's gotta be something about the twins that sets them apart other than their looks. Like a way to, I mean, come on. There has to be with identical twins. So the girls have their own proposition. They say, you take us back to Dad's house, we'll pack. The four of us will come on the camping trip, and when we get back, we will tell both of you which one is Annie. And Liz is not having it. She's like, alright, or I can take one of you back to England, and that is that. Like, uh, enough of the games, kids. <laughs> and we see a plane fly, which clearly Liz is just going by herself. And the girls are going to stay and go on the camping trip with Nick. And Meredith, ugh. Oh, my bad. I thought Liz was going on that plane. No, turns out Meredith is like, what am I going to do? Stay here and knit and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know, one of the girls was going to come out. But no, it's Liz. And she's got um, her uh, 
you know, her pack on her back ready to go and whatnot. And she's even wearing, like, a denim button-up shirt. So she's ready, but I think she might be the one that comes up with a, hey, why don't you go camping with Nick and the girls and take my spot? Yeah, because the girls are going to love that. Oh, my gosh. I just, I hate Meredith so much. And she see well, Nick's explains, you know, it's a sticky situation. You know, the four of us are going to go on a camping trip. As Elizabeth comes down. And Meredith's like, oh my gosh, what is she doing here? Is this like a Brady Bunch scenario? Well, they'd be minus four kids. If this were the Brady Bunch, they'd need four more kids. Like, Meredith is such an idiot. It's like, I'm sorry, but he had another wife and he has kids from a prior marriage. You marry into that, that is something you are just going to have to accept. And if you can't do that, then clearly the relationship isn't is worth as much as you thought it was then. So, yeah, Meredith's not fine with it. Liz suggests that Meredith come along with them. It turns out, no, actually Meredith is going to be going in Liz's place. And, of course, the girls are pissed off about that. And Meredith comes up wearing skin-tight jogging clothes. It's like, we're going camping. We're going to be going through the woods. There's going to be a lot of terrain. There's going to be a lot of, you know, bugs and whatnot. You wearing skin-tight clothes is not... You need to be dressed for the outdoors. And she's dressed to go jogging. Even Nick is like, Liz, what are you doing? And Liz says, you know, you and Meredith need some time, you know, alone before the big day. And the girls are irritated. It's like, Mom, that's not the plan. What are you doing? Girls, I'm sorry, but right now, your parents aren't going to fall back in love. Right now, the plan is for your dad to marry Meredith. And it sucks, I know. Meredith was under the impression that Liz was going to go. She's like, well, if you're not going, then there's no reason for me to go. And I'm not that big of a nature girl. Well... Seeing as you're not dressed to go out into nature, then yeah. I'd have to agree. And Liz is like, well, this will be your chance to get to know the girls. I mean, starting next week, they'll be half yours. <laughs> like, ew. Like, don't remind me. Of course, they head off. And while Liz is standing there, Chessie comes out and like, oh, I would pay big money to see that lady climb a mountain. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to place, place a bet. My thing is, yeah, definitely. If you're going in the woods, you're going to go under, you're going to be walking over uneven terrain. The, the terrain, the, the ground's going to be just very uneven. A lot of tripping hazards. The girls are going over, they're going down a hill of like rocks and uh, partial down trees and stuff like that. And the girls, everyone but Meredith is wearing jeans. They said it's your go to. Is the jeans. It's going to be a nice, tough material. You're not going to get your legs scratched up like Meredith probably will. Um, you know, wear like um, a light jacket, and, you know, a shirt to kind of cover your arms and everything like that. Yeah. It's, you got you to gotta dress for what you're going out into. I mean, bring, you know, wear you know, a t-shirt, but bring make sure, you know, you, you bring a jacket. You never know could rain, you could be going through a lot of uh, prickery bushes, and you don't want to get your arms all scratched up. Yeah. 
You never know, the temperature might change the farther in you go, so, you know, a night gets colder, so you want to, you know, stay warm. Of course, we have product placement with Meredith. She's got an Evian water. I always thought it was called Avion water, but it's called Evian water. I made the mistake when I was covering uh, Beethoven's second. So apparently they gotta stop for Meredith to rest. And of course, Hallie or Annie, whoever, I can't tell because Annie doesn't have her accent um, right now. Oh, because they're still... Are they still playing that we'll tell you who Annie is when we get back game? Okay. And Nick's like, look, Meredith is not used to the altitude because Meredith's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill my trainer. He said I'm in perfect shape. Yeah, perfect shape for like going on a treadmill, not climbing partial mountains. But yeah, Nick's like, hey, she's not used to the altitude. Just chill. Because Hallie or Annie, whoever is speaking to Nick, is like, again, we're stopping again? At this point, it'll take us three days just to get to the lake. It's like, relax. We'll get there when we get there. I don't even know how long this camping trip is. What, two, three days? They'll probably waste a day just getting there and getting stuff all set up. So, Annie or Hallie is filling Meredith's pack with rocks. And Meredith, can someone hand me my Evian water? And Hallie or Annie does. And of course notices a lizard and puts the lizard on top. So that way when Meredith drinks it, she'll see the lizard and freak out. So the girls pretty much want to make Meredith's camping trip basically a trip from hell. Hopes that she will just like leave (laughs) and not bother them ever again. So it's a little a little adorable looking lizard. It's so cute. And of course, Meredith freaks out. And Nick's like, hey, I'm moving forward. You girls help Meredith. And they go to try to help her up. And she's like, yeah, you're going to hold me right off a cliff. And the girls, and this is where we see which one is Annie. Because, of course, the accent. She's like, you see any cliffs? <laughs> so, let's see. All right, Annie's in the... Flannel, Hallie is in the denim. Okay, I gotta keep track. So, Annie's like, need any help, Mare? And Meredith turns on them. It's like, enough with the threatening. Because she's like, yeah, like I can't see past those angelic little faces. Any more tricks? And I'm gonna make your lives miserable from the moment, moment I say I do. I'm like, bitch. You can go fucking take a walk off a cliff then. You're not going to threaten those kids. And I'm sure if Nick were in hearing distance, he'd be like, Bitch, pack your shit and get the hell out of here. You can walk home. You will not threaten my children. So, of course, they call her Cruella. Cruella. She hears, like, oh, we didn't call you a thing. Cruella. Oh, by the way, there's something on your head. Yeah, it's the lizard that Hallie or Annie put there. So, the lizard ends up going in her mouth. Is this a real lizard? Is this a CGI lizard? Is it a rubber lizard from the dollar store? It looked and moved like a real lizard, but I don't know. I mean, this was 1998. How much CGI were they doing then? Because Nick hears Meredith (laughs) with the dang lizard. And I think he, just the expression on his face is he's getting a little irritated with her. He's like, had enough of Meredith. 
It's like, I got this heavy pack on my back. I want to make camp tonight. And you are really slowing us down. Like, I can only take so much of you. See, that's the thing. You want to know whether or not you <laughs> you'll be able to spend the rest of your life with somebody. Go on a camping trip and see how badly you annoy each other. If you can stand each other by the end, then you are free to get married and, um... It'll be fine. I mean, it, like, yeah, if you can, if you can last as a couple through a camping trip, then you two are definitely made, you found the right match. So, yeah, Meredith, like, ask them, and she points, and Nick just rolls his eyes and looks over to the girls who pop out from behind a tree, like, what did we do, Dad? We were right behind you. <laughs> So it looks like they set up camp. It's nighttime. They caught some fish. The girls are enjoying their trout. And Hallie asks Meredith, clearly apparently for the thousandth time, Are you sure you don't want any trout, Mom? Is it okay if I start calling you Mom? And Meredith's like, I'm sure your mother would prefer you call me Meredith. And for the thousandth time, no, I don't want any trout. She's I will wait until breakfast. What are we having? And all uh, Nick and the girls say, Trout. Like, basically, we didn't bring any food. We're going to cook what we catch from the water. So, so she's dealing... Meredith is dealing with the mosquito infestation on her body. And you think that... You know, mosquito spray or gel or whatever the hell she's using. It would deter the mosquitoes. And he's like, here, let me see that. And he sniffs it. It's like, this is sugar and water. You can attract every mosquito in the state. And because you saw the girls kind of giggling. Like, yeah, they clearly swapped that out for sugar water. Okay, is it just me or did I miss a smidge? Because... She's going, she says, I'm going to the tent and take a large sleeping pill and won't be up until the morning. And she's taking these sticks to, like, keep the quote-unquote mountain lines away. Why do I feel like, I feel like, did this happen off screen and the girls were doing all this stuff? Or did I miss a part of the movie? I swear I didn't. The movie's just been playing along as I've been watching, so. Oh, this is... I'm trying to remember the the bit that I saw the original last year on television. And I swear, like, some of the things they're doing to her is what the girls in the original, the twins in the original movie did. Um, Susan and Sharon. Because I thought, I swear I remember the sticks being smacked together for the, you know, keep away the mountain lions and whether there's sugar water and stuff like, I don't know. But, um, I think... I think I might wait and maybe do the original Parent Trap closer to next summer. I know that's a while from now, but uh, um, I kind of got set the the rest ugh, my glasses. Um, <laughs> the rest of the movies I kind of want to do for the remainder of the year kind of set. So I'll add this to my summer rotation for the original to my um, beginning of summer rotation. I know that is. It's a ways off now, but, uh, yeah. And I'm sure it'll still be on Disney+, Plus. so. And the fact that even Nick is kind of smirking at, oh my gosh. Like, dude, what did you see? And I know he hired her to be his publicist or whatever, but it's just like, ugh. But she 
practically shoves her tongue down Nick's throat in front of the girls. And the girls are just... It's almost like Meredith's marking her territory with the way that she's kissing Nick. Actually, being it's a Disney film, I don't think she's shoving her tongue down his throat. But if this weren't a Disney film, she would definitely be giving him a lap dance in front of his daughters. Even Nick is looking at her like, what is this for? It's like, it was a closed mouth kiss. But he clearly must have been like, why are you kissing me like this in front of my kids? She turns and looks at the girls like so satisfied with herself. It's like, bitch, go to bed. Take your damn Ambien and go to bed. That way he can actually have time with his kids instead of you. I'm thinking, like, Meredith, I mean, I guess she doesn't like camping, but my guess is, honestly, I would feel she would be one of those that as close to camping as she would get would be that glamping type thing. So, he tells the girls to lay off, alright? I'm not marrying Meredith because she's Annie Oakley. Camping isn't her thing. Then, bitch, should have stayed the fuck home. She really should have. This is just more examples of why you should not marry this lady. She's not right for you. She's not right for the kids. And what real reason do you have to want to... (laughs) The fact that he met her during the eight weeks that Haley was... I keep calling her Haley. Hallie was away. That is... uh... It always seems like in movies things get like amped up or they get rushed or just like it's accelerated on the fast track from meeting to engagement to marriage within the course of like less than six months. So it's nighttime. You think the girls would be asleep? No, they're not asleep. They're not even in their pajamas. They're in the clothes that they wore. Um, when they started this whole camping trip thing. So, like, oh gosh, I hope that big sleeping pill worked as they go into Meredith's tent and she is sleeping on a mini air mattress or inflatable mini mattress or whatever. And they start pulling, the girls start pulling the mattress out. I guess they're going to put it in the water, which is very dangerous. She could have drowned. Granted, I I hate Meredith with every fiber of my being, but I don't want her to die due to drowning in a lake because she took a big sleeping pill. She didn't realize where she was. So, and I'm amazed that it's almost like it's an an inner tube like that air mattress, the way it just floats on the water. They push her out, and it's like, goodbye, sweet dreams, mommy dearest. Like, oh god. That is an air mattress. A small one, but... Yeah, anyway, she's still on the air mattress. She's still asleep. There's a bird, like, pecking at her face. Um, and it's morning time. And it's like, how in the holy hell did she stay on that air mattress? I don't get it. You'd think she would have rolled over, fallen into the water, and drowned. But she didn't. Of course, she wakes up, starts thrashing around because there's a bird on her chest. Starts screaming for Nick. Like, Nicky! And, of course, you hear it throughout the entire woods. And Nick comes out of his tent. was like, what the hell was that, basically? And Nick just sees out on the water, Meredith is thrashing, standing up on her air mattress. My guess is she's going to fall backwards into the water. And he's like, oh, man. It's like, 
But I'm guessing that water isn't too deep, because she... Uh, oh, uh, Hallie and Annie, of course, are... Uh, you can see that they're peeking out from the tent, so... And Meredith come, comes up. She is... She's done. She's over this camping trip. She's over Nick. She's over those girls. She even gives him an ultimatum. I'd be like, excuse me. He's going to choose his daughters all day, every day, forever over you. So, and the fact that you even gave him an ultimatum to choose you or his kids. He's really... Well, this clearly was going to be a match made in hell. So, bye, bitch. She even has the goal to say, as soon as we get married, I'm shipping those two brats off to Switzerland. I'm like, you ain't shipping nobody nowhere, lady. You will have nothing to do with my children. She's like, it's me or them. Take your pick. Get the picture. He's like, them. T-H-E-M. Them. Get the picture. And she screams in his face like a, a dang toddler having a temper tantrum. And he's just like, oh, I made the right choice. I, I, I 100% made the right choice in picking my <laughs> But she's not, this isn't gonna, the girls are not gonna go unpunished for their behavior. Because I think he grounds them. <laughs> Because they come back sans Meredith. Of course, she must have just gotten a taxi somewhere and left. And the girls don't exactly look happy, and neither does Nick when they pull up in the driveway. So he clearly has been lecturing them the whole way home. Oh, boy. Well, not exactly the father-daughter camping trip everyone had in mind. So Liz comes out. She's like, oh, you're back so soon. Did you have fun? And I'm thinking, okay, so the camping trip, however long it was supposed to be, was cut short. He's like, wow, you're back early. I wasn't expecting you for at least another couple days. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't fun. Well, I mean, the girls got a kick out of tormenting Meredith, which I can't say I blame them. But yeah. So, yeah, they say they've been grounded to the end of the century. It's like, okay, you girls can go upstairs and be punished. Go to your... Her... Haley's... Hallie... Bleh. Uh, yeah, go to her room. And... Yeah, so he's like, oh, Meredith threw this in my head, which was the engagement ring. Pawn it. Pawn it. Get the money back. Because if you're going to marry Liz at the end, she don't want no hand-me-down ring. She don't want no second-hand ring. You get that, and you get that money back. Oh, I wonder if they kept their original wedding bands from their original marriage. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they did. Or maybe they didn't. So Liz, of course, is blaming herself. Like, oh, it's all my fault if I hadn't suggested that she'd go. And it's like, oh, tricked is more like it. You know, like mother, like daughter. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Yeah, Nick, you knew this was not going to be a good match. You knew it. In your heart, deep down, you knew it. So, of course, Annie and Hallie apologize. Like, we're sorry too, Dad. He's like, no, go up to your room. And when they go, Liz, like, kind of wax I can't remember which one it was because now they're wearing different clothes and, I, and Hallie or Annie one of them and it just makes me think of the original movie when the girls were saying we're not going to tell you which is which you know Sharon and Susan and the mother has the gall to smack the butt of her 12 year old daughter I'm like um can the, so I'm guessing this maybe could have been an itty bitty mini callback to that but I'm just thinking, you don't, you don't do that to a teenager. I'm sorry, but you don't. 
nothing for that light offense of, oh, we're not going to tell you which one is which. We're not, we're not going to tell you who's who. Like, come on. No, you don't. You don't do that. It's too old to be getting the spanking. Sorry. So, as the girls leave, Nick's like, oh, I gotta remember to thank them one day. And he's like, gosh, where's Chessie? I'm starving. And Liz is like, well, she and Martin, like, went off on a picnic yesterday and they haven't gotten back yet. So, I don't know where they are. It's like, dude, you can go and fix yourself a plate of nachos, a bowl of cereal, some mac and cheese. You can't seriously say that you don't know how to run a microwave, run an oven, I mean, mainly microwave, I mean, come on. You know how to open a fridge door? Take your pick of stuff. I'm sure the fridge is filled with food. Go raid the pantry. You don't need Chessie waiting on your hand and foot. I mean, making dinners is one thing, but come on. Oh, I bet you probably thought, like, well, granted, they are back a day or so early. But I'm sure that they all had this big welcome home dinner planned for all of you. Dennis Quaid tries to pull off a... <laughs> not the greatest English accent, but then again, mine is pretty crappy too. It's like, who would have thought? My nanny and your butler. No, he, that's not how I did Anyway, anyway, moving on. It's like, hey, why don't I whip us up something? She's like, oh, you can cook now? He's like, well, I can make, uh, let me see, uh, pasta and, um, pasta and, uh, she's like, oh, pasta sounds good. Like, okay. Let me guess, he's making mac and cheese. <laughs> the kind in a box. Not the homemade. Sammy's getting up there in age. I just look at him. I mean, he doesn't have a full white mask on his face, but he's... I mean, granted, depending on when they got, because Hallie's 11, right? So depending on, like, when they got, maybe they got Sammy when she was, like, 6 or 8 or who knows. Because I think by age 4, even dogs start to, I mean, especially Goldens, I'm sure, maybe start to get a little white around the face. Just a little bit. Because even in Punky Brewster and Brandon, the dog was kind of a reddish blonde and even at four you could I mean because that was the same puppy they used throughout you know the four seasons of the show and even by the end you could see the white kind of getting into the around the mouth and the muzzle area definitely so I'm guessing the girls are playing their favorite game poker because we Nick's heading upstairs and he's checking himself out in the mirror as he's going, checking out his reflection. And we hear Annie say, I'll take two. So I'm guessing they're playing poker or blackjack. I think, because poker's their game. That's their game. That's how they, yeah. And of course, I love how Sammy's just reclining on the bed. Just, oh, I'm hanging out with my girls. I got two now, you know. Two girls to lavish love on me. Oh, it's such a sweet life. Of course the girls notice their dad is kind of dolled up a little with a nice, you know, gray dress shirt. Dennis Quaid, it seems like he's always smiling, like 98% smiling in this movie, except for when he was with Meredith. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's got a nice smile. He really, really does. Even now, I mean, go watch like A Dog's Purpose or A Dog's Journey, and you will see... That he's got, even after all these years, he's still got an amazing, beautiful smile. 
They're like, oh, where are you going? He's like, night, ladies, as he closes the door. And you just see the guy again with the crossing of the fingers. Like, please, please, please. <laughs> so Nick brings Liz down to his wine cellar. And he says he also collects wine. He pulls out a 19, 1921 Burgundy. I don't drink wine. I don't know about wine. But I'm guessing the older, the better. Isn't that like... um? How they say, like, aged, something's aged like a fine wine. Or even, I thought, cheese is another thing. Like, the older, the better. I mean, I guess it depends on the cheese. I don't know. So he pulls out this dusty bottle that says VJ Day 1945. I don't know what that means. But Liz is impressed by it, so. Doesn't even, oh, he must collect old bottles that are, like, empty. Because, I'm like, this thing didn't look like it had anything. So he collects old wines and old wine bottles from specific dates. So he's got, clearly, he says, I'm a man of few interests. Like, clearly. (laughs) He pulls out another wine, which is Bordeaux 1952. And he says, I think my sister was conceived on this wine. Cute. So she pulls up. There's another one called Where Dreams Are From, 1983. And he says, I had trouble tracking that one down. And she's like, Why? Where's it from? He's like, That's the wine we drank at our wedding. Uh, Okay. (laughs) And he says, I now have every bottle ever made. Wow. So he definitely has been holding on to the past. So she asks, can I open one? And he's like, you're the only one I'd drink it with. Like, oh, sweet. Of course, this is getting a little bit to Liz. She is starting to tear up a little and she blames it on the dust. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I could offer you a clean sleeve. And she's like, no, I'm all better, Italy. And he's like, you don't, you don't have to be brave with me. I mean, it's okay. It's like, oh, I just, I think... We haven't gotten to see them together much, and this is just, this is so cute and so sweet. Two people that were once so in love coming back together again after 11 years. So they're almost about to kiss, and being there in the basement, and there's a little window there, we hear a car pull up and the light shine kind of breaking this beautiful magic moment between them. Like, oh, it's probably Chessie and Martin. So. Liz is like, oh, that'd be Chessie. And Dennis, <laughs> Dennis, right? Nick is like, oh, Chessie has a key. Don't worry about it. But sadly, the spell is broken. And you just kind of see Liz kind of shake her head like this, whatever this is right now, it's not going to happen. And she just kind of brushes past him and walks upstairs. And she's like, oh. So the sky is crying because Nick and Liz they're not where we all feel they should be with like 10 minutes left of the movie because it's raining. One of those rare once in a million times that it rains in California. I, I, I've never been to California. I don't live, you know, I, I assume that it rains every once in a while. Maybe it just depends on what part of California you're at. So it looks like Liz and Annie are going back. It's raining. They're playing the song every time we say goodbye. Every time we say goodbye. Of all the songs I have to play to really like uh, poke you in the ribs with that. Like, see? See? They're leaving. Like, I get it. It's rainy. That song is playing. They're leaving. It's sad. Please stop breaking my heart. 
And definitely, I can even tell which one is Annie this time because Annie is the one that wears the headbands. And Hallie is the one that has the little ponytail in the back with the, with the hair down. Hallie hugs her mother and then Annie and Hallie hug. And it just, it's so sweet. Annie was hugging her dad. It's like, oh no, don't go. So it looks like Liz and Annie make it back to London okay. But it's just, it's drab, it's rainy. And Annie's just looking out the window. She won't even look at her mom. She's just so, everyone's just so sad and miserable. So they go home. They're calling out for grandfather. And Liz is like, I'll check the study. And who is behind that paper? It's not Grandfather. It's Hallie. Oh! And Hallie's like, hey, Mom, do you know the Concord gets you here in half the time? I'm like, oh, my gosh. So she's there. The Nick's got to be there somewhere, right? Right? So Annie comes in. He's like, oh, what are you doing here? And Hallie's like, it took us about 30 seconds before. You know, after you left, to realize we didn't want to lose you two again, and then be like, we. So it's like, okay, is Nick there? Nick, he's got to be there, right? And Liz is like, we. And Nick comes in, and he's like, we. And I'm like, oh, cool! Oh my gosh! I totally haven't seen this movie in forever. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy! I'm so happy. Nick says, I made the mistake of not coming after you once, Lizzie. I'm not making that mistake again, no matter how brave you are. I'm like, oh. And she's like, I'm sure you expect me to just go weak at the knees and fall into your arms and cry and just say, we'll figure this out together. I'm like, I'm sure you will. Because it a bi-continental relationship where her, their daughters will be raised here and there and... Everything and it's just like he. Just, I love how he's just kind of smirking at her, just letting her kind of get all of this out. <laughs> she's like, and you and I picking up where we left off, and she's like, yeah, yeah. And she's just kind of rambling, going on, and you know, growing old together. And he goes over and puts his hands on her face, and she's like, "Come on, Nick, what do you expect? To live happily ever after?" And he says, "Yes," and we kiss. He's like, yes to all of the above, except you don't have to cry hysterically. <laughs> she says, oh, yes, I do. And he kisses her. Oh, and it's so sweet and magical and beautiful. And, oh. and the girls are just so happy. <clears throat> and he kind of collapses back in a chair. Helly's like, oh, we did it. We can't believe we actually did it. And she just slides down to the floor. And it's just like, ah! So we see fireworks in the sky. That's a sky. The sky. We see Queen Elizabeth II, 1998. And we see Liz and Nick together. So sweet. Nick and Liz with the girls, with Grandfather, with Martin and Chessie. Is the cake shaped like the boat? Oh my gosh, that is so cool and creative. But not only do we get a wedding, but we get a proposal. Martin and... Martin is proposing to Chessie. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so happy for that. I'm so happy for all of them. And I know it's a movie, but still. It's so fun. You get to see all the pictures of the wedding and the reception and the wedding dance and all of that. And it's just so, it's so cute. And you see the credits. We see the dedication, which is for Hallie. And you, I saw that Sammy is played by Bob the dog. Um, but... 
Yeah, that's the movie. It's amazing. And I love it so much. And I'm so happy I got to review this. And again, like I said, this was requested by Nicole, my fellow podcast listener. Thank you. Thank you. And it's kind of funny because as soon as it popped up, the recommendation was to watch the original. Now, I didn't do this at the beginning of the review, so I'm going to do this now where I read one bad IMDb review and one good one. I usually, I, I like to always do pick one really good one and one like really bad one. I'm just looking up on IMDb. There is the Parent Trap from 98. There's the original Parent Trap 1961 with Hallie Mills. There's the Parent Trap 1986 with Hallie Mills. The Parent Trap 3, Hallie Mills. Parent Trap Hawaiian Honeymoon in 1989. So it was the same year the Parent Trap 3 came out. Oh, God. Let's see. The Parent Trap Reunion, of course, 2020. The Legacy of the Parent Trap? What in the world? A look back at the story of the classic film, The Parent Trap, featuring memories and stories about the original 1961 film and the three sequels of various cast crew alongside the star of the film, Hallie Mills. Interesting. Okay. I won't be watching it, but... <laughs> Alright, let's jump into the reviews here. Let's see what I can find. ba ba ba, ba. Here's one. A 10 out of 10. This review came out in 1999. A must-see, even if you are adult. This may look a film for kids, but this movie really is a must-see for both adults and kids. It is a great love story. I'm single, but the film reached my heart. I'm sure married couples will love this film, too. When I saw this for the first time, I was on the airplane. I was lucky enough to get upgraded that time, so I was with personal video screen. I saw The Parent Trap twice and cried several times in each of the viewings. Now I got DVD for it. I saw it more than a dozen times by now. I feel very happy even after viewing of the after every viewing of the film. Lindsay Lohan did it super, especially accents. Dad and Mom are really lovely. If the film comes to a theater near you, don't miss it. On big screen, you can find some additional details slash DVD slash video. The film is totally and completely lovely. That I definitely 100% agree with. This one is, oh my gosh, this one's from 98 in July. A fun reminisce. See both versions. Warning spoilers. This is definitely worth seeing hand in hand with the original version. Rent one on video, then go see the other in a theater. The parallels are quite strong, though, as the world grows smaller, instead of California slash Boston split, it's a California-UK split. There are some lines of dialogue in common in both films that feel particularly appropriate and definitely are definitely winning like sisters no hallie like twins the musical throwbacks to let's get together are also quite enjoyable perhaps recognizing that their target audience is not only kids the age of 11 year old annie slash hallie lindsey lohan but fans of hallie mills And the original film, a more in-depth rationale is presented for the breakup of the parents with an appropriate romantic twist. Additionally, one never ceases to be amazed that some of the old tricks and quite a few new ones work quite well. And as the trailer says with a twinkle, introducing Lindsay Lohan. She's a knockout at this. Apparently Disney wanted to give Hallie Mills a bit part in this film, but she was unavailable. Nevertheless, it's a lot of fun.
Okay, I did find one here that's a 4 out of 10, and then I'll search for a, uh, like a 2 or less. Give Me Back Brian Keith and Maureen O. This is from 2007. The more modern remake is only good as far as you can endure the, the grinning of Lindsay Lohan. She actually is awfully good. The problem is that the parents are absolutely colorless and too much emphasis is put on the little girls. She is pretty lively but shouldn't have to carry the entire film. The original film had a balance because Brian Keith, Maureen O'Hara, and Charles Ruggles were wonderful actors and their roles were written as strong characters. The original parents parted because they were stubborn and hence strong people, not simply self-involved as the remake parents seemed to be. Only Kramer versus Kramer could get away with divergent careers as a reason for divorce and leave us with sympathy for the couple. Perhaps Disney has determined that only children will watch the movie, so the adult roles in the film are extraneous and do not matter. Disney didn't use the film, didn't use to film this way. Or, oh, didn't use to film this way. They made good movies. I do enjoy, however, the nods given in the new film to the old one. The Culp sisters of the camp named for Nancy Culp. The original Vicky Blake actually playing Meredith's mother and so on. Well, I did find a 1 out of 10 from 2020. Oh, from this year. Titles the review. Cheesy, lame. It takes two ripoff. Um, Dum Dum? It's a remake of the 1961 movie, The Parent Trap, okay? Yeah. So, the review. <laughs> Have no idea why this movie got higher ratings than It Takes Two. It Takes Two is obviously way better than this stupid lame movie. This movie is just a ripoff of that film. This movie is just lame and boring. Okay, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I love It Takes Two. I love both the movies in their own way. I'm just trying to, uh... Oh, God! Oh, my goodness. When I saw... The, there, here's another review from 2000. When I saw this movie two years ago, it drove me mad. I just want to strangle the two little twins. Um, it's actually... Well, if you're talking about the characters and not the actress. Oh, my God. The acting is cheesy, and the jokes are OTT, meaning over the top. Um, not as bad as it could have been, but still a disappointment. I feel sorry that a great actor like Dennis Quaid would waste his talent on such a film. The girl Lindsay Lohan who plays the twins in this is a bad actor. The script suffers and halfway through, voila, you're bored. So maybe worth a shot because it's not as bad as it could have been. Hey, it's better than the sequels to the original. Oh my god! No, I will never cover those. No, 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 no. Um... Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. a lot of the most of these are all like nines, tens. So a lot of them are really good. You gotta really dig to find uh some really bad ones. Sometimes they're just reviews. There are no stars given whatsoever. So like I said, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I had fun covering this movie. Yes, it took me a couple weeks with everything going on with you know the move and getting packed and stuff like that. I still got a, a bit to do packing wise and everything. Um, but yeah, if you guys wanted to recommend a movie that I could cover in 2020, like I said, um, the movies that I got coming out, I want to do The Faculty in October. I want to do E.T. 
also hopefully in October. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Because by the time we get down where we're going to be living and stuff, it's going to be a bit before we get internet. So I'll have time to record some stuff. But uh, mainly my podcasting schedule is going to be starting back up in October. So I'm going to mainly take the majority of pretty much all of September off. So just so you're aware. But if you'd like to recommend a movie, I'm open to recommendations. I pretty much just like to keep it around the 90s kids movies era. Occasionally, you know, I will throw in some others. Um, I'm not really big into action movies. So, um... But the email to send a recommendation is lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. So if you recommend something, I'll put it in the suggestion box for the year 2020. So, or 2021, excuse me. <laughs> All right, everybody. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun with this movie, and I hope you guys have fun listening to it. Have a great week. Bye-bye.